Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Well, here we are, Whitney, for episode se- se- uh, se- <laughs> se- no, eight? It's, it, it, Brent, it's eight. Is it's it a, eight? It's episode eight. And what? we didn't have an episode seven, dude. We didn't? No, no, no. Well, we, we had a lot of content that we released in <laughs> we there. Did. We did. We, we kind of took the easy way out for episode seven, though. And, uh, you know, we we released a lot of our content from uh, the Friday night and Saturday night Louisville Arcade Expo. And so... Uh, so this is episode eight. This is, for, Brent, officially episode for, number eight, for, or, or we're going to call it that. We're going to call it that. For we're going to call for, it that. For our, for our listeners, yes. uh, for those keeping tabs on us, this is officially episode eight. Welcome to it. Yeah, well... Welcome to it, the April 2014 episode of the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. So it's a lot to say, Brent. Yes, that's, it is. That's a yeah. I kind of, I kind of was like, oh, I've you know, towards the I've end. I've kind of got it down now, where I can just kind of spit it out when anyone asks me, "Hey, what's your podcast about?" Well, yeah, yeah and then just roll it. Huh? So speaking of the Louisville Arcade Expo, yes, let's sir. go ahead and let's give a wrap up of the show. I know we've talked about it a little bit in the intros that we did for the various flavors of, of episode yeah, seven. Of episode seven. See how many how many episode sevens did we have, Brent? I think we had three. I think we had three. Yeah, we had Friday night, Saturday night, yeah. and uh, the John Trudeau. John, John Trudeau and Python Angelo. Uh, uh, I guess if you want to call it a, it was a, a panel. To, well, it wasn't panel, a panel discussion. discussion. Yeah. I guess a panel discussion, but it turned into uh, really a very uh, what I'd almost consider you know a, a very insightful and almost intimate discussion with John Trudeau and Python that we all just got it. We all were just kind of fortunate enough to sit there and and, and, partici- wa- and, and watch, participate. Yeah, and watch, watch, and watch and listen. Yeah, it was great, and so. Um, now let me go ahead and mention this okay. on the on the Trudeau podcast. Yeah, for folks that have gotten the podcast that might subscribe and get it automatically downloaded to a device. Yeah, when you were there, you know, John was actually th- there was a lot of information that would come out just in the conversation that you could follow in an audio audio format. Yeah, when John was there, he was actually running. I'm sure you've probably figured it out if you listen to it. He was running a, a, a slideshow. He was, yeah, and, and you'll see that in the, in the video. That's where the I was video going. episode. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you check back on on brokentoken.com and uh, uh, pull the video down yeah. and take a look at the video. Yeah. So it. it it gives you a better idea as to what you know john was kind of here we have such and such and i worked on this and he was kind of rolling there was some things that he spent some time on some things he rolled through a little quickly but yeah uh, yeah definitely go back and check the video out yeah it'll give you a a much better understanding of kind of what we were talking about what was going on what john was looking at i mean it it was it it was really interesting because as john was going through the slideshow uh and from what i understand you know he he kind of travels with that slide with that presentation oh does he and then he talks about he he talks about any questions or or I'm sorry he answers any questions or talks talks to any points that are brought up while he's going through that slideshow and I, I thought the the slideshow was really interesting because it did kind of encapsulate his you know a lot of his career but then it all kind of went uh, in a completely different direction once we got Python on the line and <laughs> and uh, yeah and for everybody it, but in a good way you know it, it just a completely honest and you know very endearing discussion. Oh, Absolutely. With, with with Python and, and John, it was it was awesome. Did, did you catch the little joke? It may have been. Uh, um, I, I, well, I don't. I don't even want to mention the name because I'm not 100 percent sure if it was her that said it. But 
uh, right as we were trying to get Python on on Skype, the there was a concern that he may he may or may not be dressed. Oh yeah, yeah, he may or may not have clothes on. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was Phoebe Smith was who Phoebe? said that. Yes, I do remember that. So that's a shout out to Phoebe right there. But it was a fantastic, uh, uh, just a fantastic. 35, 45 minutes or so. I, I don't know the exact time on that, Brent. I'd have to go back and look. But just a really great uh, glimpse into you know into into Python's life at this point and him reflecting back on what he's worked on, the people that he's worked worked with, and projects. I mean, you know, he mentions Pinball Circus a little bit. It, it just it just all kinds of stuff. I mean, you you almost just have to go back and watch that. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we've also got that released as a you know as a audio podcast as well. I think that's what seven. Uh, Seven C, I believe it'll be C. Episode seven C, yeah. So all of that should be out by the time that this episode is released. So uh, the video side will, or the video um, feed of that will be on our YouTube channel at uh, YouTube.com/slash Broken Token Blog is where you can find that. So back to the overarching conversation. Yeah. So I didn't mean to derail you there, Brent. My bad. I I, want to definitely reach out to uh, uh, Matt, Jeremy, and Joe. Yeah. And once again, give give those guys just a big thanks for all that they do. And you know, there's a lot of other folks that 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 help run the expo, mm-hmm. and folks that that I've met and surely have forgotten names and have not met folks that were especially over on the console side. I yeah. know you've got some extended family, Whitney, that worked on the console side. Yeah, yeah. Um, my cousin-in-law Philip and his brother uh, Kirk really do that whole uh, console section almost uh, single-handedly with, with with some help from Joe, from what I understand. But yeah, I want to give a shout out to Philip and Kirk because they, I mean, they they make that console section happen, and it's a labor of love I, from what i understand kirk has a pretty significant console collection and he brings that he brings that in like every single year so you know, it's it's one thing whitney and i have talked about what it took to set up um our games and the podcast equipment i, right. I brought i think it was six pieces uh-huh. this year uh-huh. and then all the podcast equipment on top of that and yeah. kind of getting all that together whitney had um, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a hoser dude i just brought one <laughs> But I did bring a mappy, and it, and, and it was it was pretty sweet. So. See, I, I brought a battle zone. Yeah. I brought a vanguard. I brought uh, my two tigers. Mm-hmm. I brought an Atari race driven. Right? Ra- yeah, race race driven. Yeah, race driven. And then uh, an eight ball pinball, and then the roller disco yeah. that we've talked about quite a bit on the show. Yeah. Yep. And and you know you brought your mappy mm-hmm. and then all the podcast equipment and that was that was a deal to set up it, I mean, it was a lot the the thursday of setup i started about 10 mm-hmm. and i know you had to work that day which yeah. was cool and um i knew i was gonna have a longer day because i was bringing i was bringing all those pieces so i started at 10 and i think i walked off the show floor at 10 30 or 11 yeah, uh, it's it, it's it's and they were still lot. going and they were still they were, they were still going. I, I think it's I think it's great though what Jeremy, Matt, and Joe did for us, and it's it's one of those scenarios, uh, Brent, where they took a chance with us by you know kind of sponsoring us for a table uh, there at the you know at the expo and allowing us to kind of set up our wares and uh, you know kind of throw up shop. And so yeah, definitely a big thanks to those guys because uh, you you really you know allowed us to kind of. Uh, you know, show show Louisville what what we do and what we're about, and, and we hope that we did the expo proud. I think I think we did them. I, I think we did a good job there. I really want to give a, a shout out to the guys, and yeah. it, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate all the effort that they that they have put in. Uh, I know that there's some family that was there. 
uh, on Joe and Jeremy and Matt's side. Yeah. It's a family ordeal. It's not just them. It's Yes. And uh, it's a lot of work. It was an awesome show. It was awesome. It just, it seemed to to grow right in front of our eyes. If you, if you go back and listen to the Thursday and Friday night live shows, we will turn around and like, well, there's three new machines that wasn't there. I'd look to the right and there wasn't anything. I looked to the left, looked to the right, and there they were. And I mean, there they things were. came in constantly. Well, and, and Brent, if I'm not mistaken, you know, by the time we shut the live streams down on both Friday night and Saturday night, there were still games, arcade games and pinball machines being wheeled in and set up both nights. Yep. And I know for a fact, and I, I think that it's easily heard, uh, you know, during the live stream for both nights, you know, we had um, like an ACDC pinball that was that was sitting right behind me. And I think that can be heard throughout a good portion of those shows. And they were literally trying to find space to set up more and more little, you know, little islands of pinball machines just so that they would be able to uh, turn on everything that showed up for the show. It was, it was amazing. Here's another huge shout out to Jeremy and Matt and for, for being so accommodating uh, in such a, a, uh, such great hosts Mm -hmm. for that's the best way to put it. You know, honestly, when, when we hit, when we came in to start setting up for the podcast, um, I was a little concerned about where we were located mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we're going to be on a show floor. We're going to be surrounded by pinball games, uh, yeah. video games. It's going to be crowds. So I know there's going to be noise. Um, we were backed up right against uh, several EMs. Yeah. And one EM in particular was a baseball themed game and it didn't have a, a back on the head. Yeah. And there, there was a bell in the side inside of that thing, Whitney. It looked, it was about the size of a truck tire. It yeah. was a huge it, it bell. Was, it was big. And it, it went along with the, with the, the box. I said baseball. I'm sorry. It was a boxing theme. So it went right along with like this, the, it was the bell for the match or whatever. And, Every three seconds, it seemed like it was ding, ding, yeah, just ding, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then there was a uh, there was a uh, something in it that was hanging. So every once in a while, stepper motored hang, and it would sound like it was electrocuting whoever was playing it. <laughs> and you know, the gentleman that owned it, he straightened that out. That was, I mean, that was no big deal. But uh, Jeremy was uh was very gracious in kind of getting us realigned and yeah. getting us moved a little bit so that we didn't have uh we we could minimize that harsh noise yeah and yeah. and then as you mentioned the acdc it worked out perfect so we've got a nice background mm-hmm. to the podcast i think oh, yeah. it came out awesome so yeah. that you can say you can good. listen you've got that atmosphere you oh, yeah. know where we're at and you could tell it was going you on could tell it was going on yeah but it wasn't dominating yeah. it wasn't dominating the show i mean it came out beautiful well and, and brent one of the things that i enjoyed uh about being there you know being set up and just kind of being in in the middle of the show because when you were talking about placement i mean we were really like in the middle of the show floor we had all kinds of foot traffic at our booth uh we got to meet you know uh, we got to meet handfuls of of listeners and you know it's hard to even you know count back how many people came up to us and said oh you know hey guys we love the show uh you know several clovers walked several clovers i'm such and such here's mm-hmm. my online handle and shook yeah. hands yeah it, it was great i mean we met like i say several clovers i mean jeff waldron i mean chris fitzpatrick chris fitzpatrick was there i just you know von goosewink on clove is just really a, a great great setup we got to meet a lot of people 
uh, and, and you know took took down a lot of names. I mean, heck, Brent, we got interviewed for you know a, another podcast and showed up on on Papa Pinball on Papa TV. And yeah, Whitney was a Papa star on Sunday afternoon. I was, yeah. So I got about thirty minutes to sit in on Papa TV and and help call some of the uh, con- help call some of the competition action. It was great, you know. And I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Adam and JP of the Adam and JP Show because um, we're going to appear on uh, an upcoming episode of their podcast and we'll make sure that we you know announce that on our facebook page and twitter as well but it was really cool because instead of brent and i doing all the interviewing and doing all of the set show setup and everything like that we just got to sit there and talk so i ran my gums like we don't talk enough like we don't talk enough i ran my gums uh, or as uh, as my wife would call her uh, call them my soup coolers and so i ran those for about a good solid hour as did you brent but it was great because we just got to talk yeah we it, we, it, we were the ones answering the questions yeah it was it was fun man yeah, it was it was an interesting it, change it, it really was so yeah a good shout out to those guys as well so and, you talked about papa yep um i want to let's let's close the book on uh on one of my little projects. Oh, so this is a good segue, Brent. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm getting, I'm, I'm, we're getting practice. Hey, look, I've got se- almost seven of these under my belt. Uh, dude, you know what? I think at this point, we've probably got the P and professional taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting close. We're getting close. So, and I touched on this uh, in the intro segment to 7B, which would be the yes. Saturday night show. Yeah, Saturday night live stream. That's right. So I want to go ahead and... and kind of actually put a little bow on the box of what was my roller disco project. Okay. So looking back at our Facebook page, if anyone hasn't seen it, I would encourage anyone to go back. uh, Lots uh, of good pictures. Everyone to go back to our Facebook page and check it out. I've got an album of a Gottlieb roller disco that that I had out in, uh, in my pile of projects that I brought back to life. So cleaned it, shopped it, tore it down, mm-hmm. some board work, some uh, connector issues, some wiring, and brought it back to a, a really, in my opinion, for a wide body, mm-hmm. a really nice playing game. It, it, it was. I did get to play a few games of it. it it's, it's a fun game, and it looks good. The colors and everything like that are just, they're, they're just very... Um, it's got a it's little different. bit. Of, it's different. It's got a little bit of seventies going on, a little bit of psychedelic going on, but then it's got a little bit of Saturday night going on yeah. all at the same time. It's it's neat. Before it de- you get it's into, definitely a product of its time. It, it is. There's no doubt. But it looks good. Now, Brent, two questions before you roll into this: um, How long did it take you start to finish to to do that project? Okay. And number two, with it being with it being the title that it is, what? You know, do you regret? You know, do you regret getting rid of it, or what was? How much staying power do you think it really, really had? Those are my two questions for you. Well, uh, end to end, I I'm going to guess that it took about six or seven weeks. Okay, okay. So so let's say two months. Say two months, start to finish. Okay. And when when I this when I shopped it, you know, I I took it all the way down. The only thing that I the only things I left on the play field, I did leave some of the wire forms. Okay. And uh, um, I did leave the pops in it, the pop bumpers in it. So I basically stripped. Now it's not a complex game when it when you consider a later DMD type game. Okay. But you know it still takes you taking your time. It takes you a while to take it all the way down mm-hmm. 
document it and put it all the way back together okay. you know and then i like to flatten plastics and i tumbled all the metal and cleaned all the plastic uh all the posts all that kind of fun stuff and determined what was missing and yeah. what was broke and so between actual labor and waiting on parts uh, you know right around it right around that six to eight week okay. period I, I was just curious because i was just gauging that for well you know to be uh very transparent about it just gauging how long that project takes in comparison to others how long it takes me to complete projects and i'm sure a lot of our listeners out there are wondering well man how long does it take to shop a pen from start to finish and and i'm sure a lot of people are kind of curious just to gauge their own progress by well, that you by know, that number you may have hit on a on a subject right there that that we can discuss at some point in time what okay. is your definition of shop there you go you know because like on that i I touched up parts of the cabinet i touched up some of the art on the cabinet i didn't touch up the play field um this was more than just a re-rubber yeah you know and there were some electrical issues electronic issues and there was parts yeah i I generally like to try to get a game going uh, from an electrical perspective Uh before i tear it down so that that i know that at least that that is kind of yeah, put to bed. It, it's done, and you're not breaking it any further. Right. Yes. Now with this with this game, I had a, a couple little hiccups because of uh, um, replacement parts and some proprietary parts, like in the soundboard. And and I tell you what, it came down to the wire getting a soundboard for it. And here's a quick kind of kind of side note and, and some information that hopefully will be useful to to other folks out there, to folks out there listening. Mm-hmm. Pascal. Janin, if I'm pronouncing his his name correctly, uh, he's he's French and he he makes quite a few replacement boards for Gottlieb's. Okay, so he's not only System One but System Eighty. And when when I got to the point of discovering that the soundboard was was way more complex than I anticipated, and by complex I mean that it just it had a, it had some proprietary parts on it, and there was it was kind of like. Uh, um, was was the downfall in my opinion of the system one mpu that was originally in the game uh as opposed to the now wump that was in when i had it we, mm-hmm. we talked about that yep, at, yeah we sure did nauseam in past yeah, episodes exactly but um you know the the current the tide was you know i was making some phone calls to see if i can get my hands on a board and, and well you know pascal makes one but they're kind of difficult to get a hold of you know he only runs them every so often and well when i when i finally got into being able to research trying to get one from pascal that had changed mm-hmm. i mean he has a, a wide selection of boards he's got uh I, I hesitate to say a distribution network but they're available oh that's good you know it's not a matter of okay i, I it's a real niche thing i've only got a couple designs i'm gonna i'm gonna do 50 and then when they sell they're gone yeah until i get some seed money from other orders to run another 50 and then only have 25 in stock or something you know, so where's he based he, he's he based in he's of? in france that's okay. He's in enough. France. All right. So, um, did you yeah. say that? I, I missed. Yeah, it. I, yeah I mean, she was right. That's I, I completely apologize. Yep. Um, so we'll actually put that in the show notes. Uh, how to find find Pascal's site? Okay. He has a he's got a wide ver- uh, array of, uh, of replacement boards for for Gottlieb's, and, and I had interacted with Pascal several emails. Just hey, I want to verify this is what I need. You know, how long does it take to get it here? I'm looking to try to get the game to a show. He was more than helpful. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, so a little bit of that time to answer your question. There's the long-winded way of answering it. Was was kind of parts. I did things a little out of order mm-hmm. uh, compared to how I like to normally do things. I probably could have done it a little quicker, even to the detail I kind of like to do things. If I had, uh, um, 
if I had gotten the electronics straightened out ahead of time. And, and I kind of got to the a point where I, I was just waiting on things. So I, I started other portions of the project. Okay, got And it, it ended up extending it longer than I would have liked, but not as long as it could have been. Okay. So, and then you see, what was the other question? The, the question, the question was on after you know after working on and playing the game, what, what what kind of staying power did it have for you? I liked it. Okay, you know, I've I've had uh, a couple of folks mention to me that they didn't particularly care for the game uh-huh. because I of the it was wide a, body. You think, and just because it was a little slower, or what? Wide body, um, being an older older game, I you know people that tend to like DMDs don't necessarily like. You know, non DMD games. Mm-hmm. Um, the rule, the rule set isn't as deep. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, it was a being a wide body. It was a four flipper game. Yeah, and it wasn't like uh, the right and left. The second flippers were high in, in in the cabinet. They were right above one another at the very bottom of <laughs> yes, the game. Yes, they were. And when I went through the uh, the flippers and I the same thing in the pot bumpers, I I I really paid attention to uh um to cleaning the contacts uh-huh. so that man when they hit they hit yeah you know the 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 flipper buttons that are of course on the side of the cabinet and then the uh the end stroke switches i had them really clean yeah. you know i made sure that i had real good contact real good flow and man it would it would pitch that ball around the play field oh. wide body or not it would do the deed yeah no when so. i when i played it uh the, the couple times that i was able to get over to play something you know, I made it a point to play it, and uh, it, it did. It worked very well, and I thought it was a great game to play. I just don't know that it would be a cornerstone of my collection long term. That that's, I guess, my it was the reason why I asked the collect why I asked the question on that. So, well, for those that that haven't heard, yeah. and, and this was mentioned, if you listen to the the episode seven series mm-hmm. in the intro for seven B, the Saturday night we talked about uh, meeting with Papa or a couple guys from Papa. Mm-hmm that evening saturday evening and they had uh, approached me about roller disco they didn't have one in their collection they were interested in it so um in all honesty i would have i would have i could have seen keeping the game okay i I, it it wouldn't have been on the low end of the list to to move when i needed space yeah but it wasn't on the high end of the keep it list yeah you know i i enjoyed it but i i could see that after i don't know in a little while of playing it, maybe in the game room for a year or so, that it yeah. might be time to go ahead and move it on. Well, it's one of the, it's to me, it's the type of title that that is probably a lot more occasional fun than it is playing it playing it from end to end because of just the rule set and everything. After you've kind of achieved what Roller Disco has to offer, I, I, I don't know what the the long term replayability of it would be. I, I, I guess that's kind of the reason why. I asked no, the I question. can understand that. Yeah, yeah. you know, with with any game of that of that vintage, you're in that you're kind of in the boat of not having modes per se, mm-hmm. kind of like you would with a with a modern mm-hmm. pen. Yeah, and you're you're trying to you're you're achieving things, yes, if you will. You are, but you're doing that so that you can make other targets worth more. Yes. So and, it's it's all about the score rather than about. Uh, th- rather than about the story, I more guess. or less. Yes. That's probably a good way of putting yeah. it. Yeah, you know, some yeah. people argue that's probably always about the score, but yeah, yeah you've you're 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 really going. It, you're looking to achieve goals, but the goals aren't as interesting, and it and it aren't as integrated into the theme into the theme yeah. as you would uh, a modern. A modern pen. Yeah, yeah, I'll, so. I'd, I'd wholeheartedly agree there. Definitely a nice game, though. So here's what ended up happening. Happening, uh, Papa and I came to 
quick recap, Papa and I came to an agreement, and uh, it went on to the Papa headquarters. That's cool. So they they went ahead and they took it home with them yes. on Sunday. So so one of your machines, Bryn, is now a part of the Papa collection and uh, helping preserve pinball history. I, absolutely. Yes. So you are a historian, oh Bryn. <laughs> so here's the here's the real cool part about it. Yeah. One of the one of our local collectors, Steve Ridge, um, he uh, he is a real really he really is heavily participates in the pinball groups and all the Facebook groups and um, he he really participates with the pinball community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he is friended with folks all across the country that that are real, that are involved in pinball, and he happened to notice a picture rolled by uh, a gentleman's. On a gentleman's feed, a gentleman from California. Okay. And, uh, um, and I'm not going to get into the gentleman's name because he, you know, I'm, I haven't spoken to him yeah. directly. So yeah. let's just, I don't want to yeah. get into there. But so Steve sends me this link and it's a picture of a game that, that this gentleman had played at Pinburg 2014. Okay. And that was the final game that he'd played and he'd secured himself a place in the finals. And the picture that he had posted on on his facebook feed was the roller disco oh my goodness wow so they had already um you know they'd already kind of integrated it into their collection oh that's and that's uh, neat. uh they were already using it in tournament play yeah that is that's really that's really neat i one thing i will say Brent, is the time that i got to spend um sitting in with the guys from papa tv uh, you can tell that they take their charge so seriously and they are um, just the penultimate professional when it comes to their production and what they're doing uh, it, it was it was a it was a really neat thing to see kind of behind the scenes as to how they run Papa TV how they run the tournaments and the equipment that they use and everything like that the reason I say that is that I'm sure the roller disco has found a good home I, and and it will be cared for very well as part of that whole collection you know they always say that you know when it's yours it's yours and whoever owned it prior they really have no claim over it you know Mm -hmm. if i want to if i buy it and i want to take it and put it out in the backyard and turn it into a barbecue pit that's my deal it's mine yeah but you know it is always kind of nice to know that something that you've done Uh you know it's not a marquee piece you know people argue that with you well it's part of history i've never there's ex-produced you don't ever see one yeah and then the other side of it is is just rarity doesn't necessarily mean it's got an intrinsic value you know there's arguments either way yeah one way or the other it's nice to know that something that that i've kind of had my hands on has has gone on yeah and did i say did i say uh uh, finals earlier he would that get the he played the game to to qualify for the tournament okay so it was there it was used and then um i need to try to follow up see if there's any more information as to was it actually used for tournament play and all yeah. that kind of fun stuff once you got in once you got through quali- qualification so i don't know maybe maybe using it as a game to to get people to qualify for the actual tournament is kind of like step one to understanding if you're going to trust it for its long-term reliability yeah i, I don't know I, I don't know and and yeah those, that's a good question i don't know the answer to that but you know the fact of the matter is um you know it's it's in the collection it's part of it and i think that's i think that speaks pretty well to you know to what you to the work you did and you know and, and to pop overall they saw it they saw the value in it and they wanted it so i think i think that's pretty cool yeah i'm really happy with it yeah. I, I was telling steve i said here's a game that uh the history i know of it started it, it came from an operator here locally. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know 
what its history was prior to that. It was sold to someone here in town. A friend of the show, Edward Lutz, had actually worked on it at some point in time. And I remember seeing it in his shop long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it had landed with the whoever bought it via this operator. And eventually it failed. And it was... It was uh, uh, then acquired by one of his employees. Okay. And it popped up on Craigslist just up the road. <laughs> and uh, uh, it ended up in my hands. And it, it was in my, my stack of, of projects for, oh gosh, probably three years. And, you know, I spent a lot of time working on the house and yeah. in, in, in the game room. And uh, before I finally pulled it out and said, hey, let's work on this game. Yeah. yeah. And then it went from setting in a heap out in my garage to you know running and then to an expo and then on to then papa on, onto the papa collection and yeah so yeah. all within all within you know three or four months yeah, so th- that is pretty sweet so yeah so yeah there, there were many highlights of the of the louisville arcade expo it was a lot of fun I, you know brent i have uh covered the expo by myself for the first three years just as a form of kind of like a recap blog post and we'll certainly be doing that, you know, on on the Broken Token website as well. I'll I'll, I'll be doing one of those for the 2014 show, but it was uh, it was completely different this year. I mean, we were you know we were there pretty much every hour that it was open and running, and just saw so many people and got to do so many interesting things. It, it was it was a great show. I I I so thoroughly enjoyed it, and you know we've got some. It, what's nice, and we're going to talk about this uh, in the in the. Um, last segment of the show where, where we've got some upcoming kind of on the road events, you know, that came out of the Louisville Arcade Expo and our time and the people that we saw there. And so it was, it was great. Well, the only downside I saw to the show is that, well, this, I guess it's a downside from pers- perspective, you know, someone else's perspective. It may not be. It's, it, I lost my voice. So, you we know, some people our, are, you know, we talk ourselves. Yeah, some worse. people may not complain about that, but <laughs> it was, it took me several days to get my voice back. Yeah, but. dude, I, I would say that we were probably pretty well uh, wiped out after the expo. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I know for a fact that for easily the first three or four days i didn't feel right you know i I, my sleep was all you know was all kind of jacked up a little bit and it just took a little bit to kind of get back into the day-to-day rhythm and um well with anything else we learned yeah so as we start to do uh shows you know here in the future in the next expo whether it's louisville or wherever else yes we're, we started to establish a little bit of a pattern. Yeah. So not only will it be easier on us, but hopefully the content will be better. Yeah. You know? and, 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 you know, there's speaking of that, you know, a couple lessons learned, you know, we did the live streaming on Friday and Saturday night with, uh, with our uh, mix LR and we ran into some internet connectivity issues had to troubleshoot that down because we were trying to squirrel away. Uh, whether is it the equipment, is it the internet connectivity? What you know, what exactly is going when on? When we finished it, when we well, not when we finished it, but when we finally got it settled, uh-huh. as the show was going, yeah, Saturday night, we had gone from a couple different access points in the hotel yes. or in the convention center, yeah. center rather, a couple different MiFi's, a couple different my, which are my, if you. No one knows what a MiFi is. Think of a, uh, uh, it's a, they're about the size of a cell phone. Yeah. Depends on you know where you get them from. You turn them on, they join the cell network, and it's a it's a wireless access point. Yeah. So you join it like you would the access point in your home, yeah. and it gets you on the cell network. Yeah. And we'd gone through a couple different MiFi's, and we we ended up running. 
probably the last half of the show. The to, fir- three, to three quarters, I would say. Off my cell phone. <laughs> off Brent's phone. <laughs> yeah, so... You didn't hear a lot of me, the fir- which is probably good. That's another perspective thing. You didn't hear a lot of me the beginning of the show on, on Saturday night because I was scrambling yeah. with the hardware. Yeah, we, we were. We, we were kind of uh, stepping and fetching to get everything you know sorted out, but it, it all worked out good. We've... You know, we've kind of proven out some of our equipment. We know how we'll set some things up going forward. So, uh, you know, like I say, it, it, you know, all's well that ends well. It was a great, 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 great fun. Oh, it was awesome fun. I, yeah. it, I, I already can't wait for next year. It's like, yeah. you know, we're just a few, sh- we're just, what, 11 months 11 away? 11 months away, yeah. <laughs> call Jeremy. We'll have to call up Jeremy and Matt and maybe we can capture this or something. Oh, you know? 11, hey, we're, only, we're 11 months away. We're only 11 months away. And on that note, Brent, I think I'm going to go home and drink. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. So, that, that wraps it up on the Louisville Arcade Expo. Great, great fun. So, one thing, Brent, that I wanted to uh, just kind of uh, toss out here real quick before we hop into, you know, updates and what we've been working on, what's been going on since, uh, since our last episode is we now have a podcast voicemail line, okay? People can call in and, you know, leave us a voicemail message, and the number is 470-2-CALL-BT, okay? 2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528, okay? For anybody that, that wants to... Uh, you know, put that in their uh, in their cell phone. Maybe maybe speed dial. Maybe speed dial broken token or something like that. That'd be pretty sweet. That means that you know, <laughs> it, whatever you say may end up <laughs> may end up on the show. May end up on the show. Yeah, and it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty cool, Brent. Ever since publishing the number, uh, you know, out on Twitter and on Facebook and everything, we've had a couple people call in and leave us some voicemail messages, and we're going to play those a little bit later on in the show. And actually, uh, a little later on the show, we're going to have a segment coming up where, um, well, I'm not going to get into it. It'll, we'll just leave it as a little bit of a surprise but it's going to hinge upon the voicemail so we're going to reach out we're going to reach out to our dedicated listeners dedicated listeners yes we love everybody so it's it's great oh one thing brent one thing i will say is um before we uh, hop into the updates, and I, I apologize for being a little bit dyslexic on this, but for anybody that was in the MixLR live stream, we ran the numbers on it, and we had over 60 people listening to the show at one point. So thank you to everybody who took your time to hop into the MixLR uh, broadcast room and listen to the show live. We really appreciate you. Really yeah, appreciate you. Uh, we were we were very very happy with the turnout, especially yeah. for you know the first time out of the gate. Yeah, it's great. And you know a little later in the episode, we're going to talk about another event that we've got going on, and we yeah. hope we hope to have you, uh, all the folks that, that caught up with us at the Little Arcade Expo, and uh, and everybody else out there listening yeah. to to tune in and, and and give us a listen. Yeah, and and we won't drop internet connectivity this time because because we got that sorted out. Yeah, so we ought to be good. <laughs> I think we will have backup upon backup. Yes, and we, and we won't have Tested. to use and we won't have to have to use Brent's phone this time because we got that all sorted out. Yeah. So yeah, we ought to be good. Okay, Brent. So uh, how about let's uh, let's go ahead and roll into updates and what we've got going. You know, kind of what we've been working on and uh, what's been going on over the past month. Well. Post Louisville Arcade Expo, my yep. my updates have been uh, they've not ve- they've not been very exciting. Well, I mean, know? dude, we had to get some sleep, and and 
I mean, dude, for all practical purposes, man, you know, the, the expo and, and doing that type of content for the length of time that we did it, man, it actually takes a lot out of it. It takes you. a lot out of you. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I will say this. Thank you to our listeners that contacted us after the expo, but I actually had a couple people get in touch with me and say, man, you guys did a great job. Get some rest, you know? <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, I, I know. My I would say that my talk boxes was yeah. worn out at that point. So, yeah. So you're just texting. Yeah, I'll get rest. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm talking like all horse while I'm texting. And yeah. But anyway. So yeah. from an update perspective, uh, a lot of my time has been spent. Well, not a lot. Uh, uh, the majority of my time has been spent uh, on on the second thing I'm going to talk about. The first the first thing was uh, doing the edits and kind of getting the shows together. Seven yep. A, B and C. Yeah. Uh, working all that out, we we did go ahead and uh, anyone that's listened to the episodes will will know we went ahead and put together a uh, um, kind of an intro. Hey, look, this is what this is, just yeah. so that you know the Friday night and the Saturday night kind of stand alone. But if you're new to the podcast and you're pulling it down for the first time and you're starting with the current episode, it may not make sense to you. What you know, so we wanted to make sure that that the episode came out in a good quality format yeah. so took a little editing there a little time to put all that together yeah and christy set in with us for a little bit too well christy set in with us and yeah. you know so if you, hey on on that note a few folks may have noticed that we've also redone the show intro and outro yep mm-hmm. so thank uh, you christy for th- doing that thank you very much christy I've so gotten a lot of positive feedback on christy Did christy pe- gets a pe- lot of positive pe- people dig her man yeah she why i i don't have a clue what is it i, I don't even know if she knows what what the you know the business end of a screwdriver is i don't you know <laughs> poor christy i don't she uh, christy if you're listening brent said that now <laughs> she she can't work on any of this stuff you know <laughs> she kind of plays and she just gets whatever and she turns around walks off frustrated there's a ball, and walks yeah, away there's a well not even frustrated she's like something shiny she's like, oh look <laughs> god love her yeah it's hard you know, in arcade because everything's shiny she she has done uh she, she's done us well so it's uh it, you know uh, we, th- we thank her for all the work that she's done oh, for us she yeah. sat down um she sat down with us probably a good two hours yeah. and we went through uh, several takes just to get the new intro and outro. So, yeah. you know, our, our, th- our thanks go out to Christy. Yep. So. Sure enough. Yeah. It was fun to have her sit in with us on, you know, for the live streams and everything. So that was cool. So all that was put together. That's kind of been what's been on my agenda. Some of the, a uh, uh, few other kind of behind the curtain things having to do with um, trying to make future podcasts a little easier to edit. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I've really kind of been working on is just kind of a cleanup. Yeah. I've had little piles of parts here and there, little things kind of going on, this sitting in a corner, you know, things that need to be addressed. And I've been going through my shop and pulling down stuff off shelves that, well, I'm not in this box. I haven't been in this box of two, for two years. I've got, you know, <laughs> what, what's in this, box? what's in this. Well, yeah. I try to label everything. There's a tip to there's a tip to folks label label boxes before you shove them on shelves. Yeah. I, I don't know how many collectors I've had come through here and just say, you know, I've got to go through and just get a sharpie, <laughs> start labeling boxes. Yeah, hashtag tech tip right there. <laughs> so you know, I'd have a I'd have a box that had you know used joysticks in it. I'm like, yeah. I don't need it right here in my main workspace. I haven't been in it in two or three years, and I've got a big you know collection of joysticks or whatever outside. Let's let's coalesce all this stuff. So, I've been making space. I've got a few things out in the out in uh, out in my garage that will be things that I want to 
touch more often. Mm-hmm. I've got some, several bins that I've picked up over time of small parts and components and things that really kind of need to be in, in the in the basic work area. So, I mean, kind of getting myself geared for that. Yeah. You know? Well, it sounds like you've been, you know, just kind of laying low a little bit and just getting getting set up for the for the next project. And yeah. So, which is good because your next project, Brent, uh, after I talk about what I've uh, what I've been working on, your next project it, it sounds to me like uh, we're going to get to tell Brent what to do. So yes. that's going to be pretty yep. sweet. <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. So, so that's that's what I've had going on. All right, well, dude, for me, um, it's it's been a little bit of a wrap up, I, and I posted this on the Facebook page. Uh, the whole project flip flop scenario uh, is actually kind of taken on a little bit of life of its own. It was it, in retrospect, it's been a cool project. Um, uh, it's been all detailed up on the Facebook page. I know we've talked about it here on the show, but I did get that done. Um, the Donkey Kong Three is now wrapped up and in the game room, so I can uh, kind of close the book here on Project Flip Flop. One thing I will say though, Brent, is I didn't. I didn't really appreciate Donkey Kong 3 for what it is. That is a good game, man. And I have been playing quite a bit of it here as of lately. Um, I'm no good at it. I, I mean, dude, I can't bust like 90,000 on that game. No matter how hard I try, 90,000 is like a wall for me. See, I've, it, I've played it a couple times on yeah, dedicated hardware. Yeah. I, it, you know, sacrilege. I have played the majority of my Donkey Kong 3 on an X and 1 board. <gasps> oh. <gasps> I, I like the game. I can't do that too many times. <laughs> it, it hurts, man. <laughs> it hurts my soul. Yeah, I, I enjoy the game. It's it's a great game. I think it is one of Nintendo's unsung heroes. If you want to know the truth of it, and uh, my daughter and I is we spent um, we're we're recording here on a on a you know nice and sunny Sunday afternoon. But uh, last night, uh, my daughter and I played Donkey Kong Three for about a uh, I'd say easily a solid hour, if not almost an hour and a half. We just played two player game after two player game after two player game, and um, she she loves it. I I think it's fun, man. It's it's neat. It gets hard fast. I will say that. I mean, it, the the difficulty ramps up, mm-hmm. and it's, you think it's, you're doing good. You think it, you're doing yeah. good, then it just hands it to you. Um, great great game. I'm very pleased with uh, you know with with how it See, how it turned out. You've got my wheel spinning earlier uh, earlier today before we started recording. Whitney was. Uh, we were out in my my garage looking at some of my projects, which we'll discuss here in a little bit. Yeah, I've got a couple of Nintendo cabinets out there, and Whitney was like, "Well, what are you gonna do with these cabinets?" And I kind of gave him the rundown of what my thought is, and. I don't know. We might have to go look for a Donkey Kong Three board. Yeah, dude. I, I'll tell you, it's um, it, it has it has quickly won a spot, kind of in in the game room. It'll be one of the games that would probably be one of the last ones to leave. Um, I, like I say, I know it doesn't get a very good you know very good rap amongst collectors and players and things like that, but. For a lot of people, I think they ought to give the game a little more, you know, a little more time. It's um, it, it's a lot of fun. It's very fast paced once it gets going. So yeah, that so that that's one of the things I've kind of wrapped up, Brent. So you know, it's cool. I can put a bow on Project Flip Flop, call it done. I've got the Donkey Kong Junior done. Um, it got the Donkey Kong Three done. Both you know went went completely you know complete service kits on the monitors. And for lack of a better term, I shotgun both of the monitors. You know, fly back every you know cap kit, the whole nine yards, cleaned them up. And uh, you know, just went through and just did a, a, a real high refurb on on both games. And you know, if I say so myself, they look really good. And I'm very I'm very proud of well, how both of them turned out. Here's another self serving plug for the Broken Token Podcast. <laughs> they do look good. I appreciate and, that. Man. And if you've not 
seen them, uh, Whitney's documented the majority of the Project Flip Flop on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So jump up on our Facebook page, take a look at um, our, our albums. There's yeah. quite a few things that I've got out there whenever... Uh, we we talk about stuff. We try to try to get pictures up there. Oh, wait, we're gonna have a couple more albums here pretty pretty soon. Cool. Here, just a minute. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and Whitney's got um, Whitney's got quite a few pictures of the of all of the Nintendos here that he's done his done his work yeah. on as of late. Yeah, and and you know I appreciate that, Brent. Thank you. It just makes me wonder why Donkey Kong Junior. wasn't blue to start with because man, that is like one of the most beautiful combinations to me. Uh, all the artwork in Donkey Kong Junior. in the blue in a blue cabinet. To me, it's just the way it should have. It's just the way it should have been, but. But nonetheless, you know, it's uh, it's done. I'm happy and move on to the next thing. Now, as far as, um, you know, upcoming projects, Brent, I, I think I've mentioned this. I'm going to be working on a couple of centipedes in tandem. I have uh, my my personal centipede that I'm going to go through and do a complete refurb on. And then I've got one that I'm going to work on for my brother as well. So centipede's one of his favorite games of all time. It's one of the a few games he's, he's wanted in his house. So I'm going to be I'm going to be doing a you know a, I'd say a master refurb on on two centipedes at once. Then I'm going to step oh, the cabinets up. already in pretty good shape. Is it cabinets are in pretty good shape? Good. Yeah, the cabinets are in pretty good shape. One of them uh, one of them needs a little more love than the other one does, but. That you know, I'm going to make sure that the boards are you know tip top and uh, go through and and I mean Brent, let's just call it what it is. I'll probably shotgun both the monitors oh, as yeah. well. And and you know, and I hate to I hate to always revert to the shotgun term, but it it's the one way that I know of to make sure that the game will be operable and reliable for the next ten to fifteen years. Oh, that's you know that's one of the things, that Whitney. I do with every every game that. I, Every game that you see in my in my game room, yeah, I, I do that with all of them, Dude, I, even if it comes in working. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. Like the the Donkey Kong Three, it had a very nice picture when it started, or when I got the game. Now, when I look at the monitor chassis and how I ate up the monitor chassis on that Sanya was, I don't know how it had such a pretty picture, but it did. But dude, it got shotgun whether it needed it or not, and um, I hesitate to say that I don't think uh, any monitor that I have in my game room will, you know, I. It, every single one of them will get the shotgun treatment well, as you know, I go through the Whether game. it needed it or not, it's kind of, you know... It's immaterial. I, I, I'm from Kentucky. Today's Sunday, and I'm going to get a bath if I need it or not. <laughs> that's exactly so. right, yes. <laughs> you know, despite you know, despite what people may think, you know, it, that's exactly right. You know, I look at it like this, Whitney, and I hopefully, you know, I hopefully I don't jinx myself, but even if the game comes in running, I like to go through the monitors. I like to understand the situation with the power supply, and there's a couple other things I like to touch on. yeah. Even if it's in running, even if I buy the game and it's working, yes. working to me, there's various degrees of working. Like there's, there's various, various degrees, degrees of, of working. And I think that's one of the reasons that I've had such good success, knock on wood, you know, uh, with having get togethers and, and whatnot and having everything survive. Yeah. And well, it, going wrong. to Expo, Little Arcade Expo. Here we go again. Go, let's bring it up again. Go to Little Arcade Expo, and the thing will run for an entire weekend. Yeah, with no problems. No problems. Well, well and what I found out about like the the the, uh, the the monitor chassis on the Sanyo that was in that Donkey Kong Three, Brent, it was actually you know potentially a fire hazard because once I popped the flyback off, the two wires that go underneath the flyback for the for the master brightness and the focus, mm -hmm. both of those were stripped to the point where they were very very close to touching another component and it's like it doesn't really take a lot of flex or something bad to happen to where you could um, have a spark and then your game go up in flames and i i'm well, just not i'm just not about a fire in my house that, that would end a party it would end a party amongst <laughs> other things and it, 
probably in my homeowner's insurance and all kinds of crazy stuff. So anyway, dude, like I say, so I'm going to work on the centipedes. Uh, and then uh, to get back to the, the whole Nintendo uh, row scenario, I've got a, a really nice Mario Brothers that was a radar scope conversion. So it's a factory red cabinet, and I'll be talking a lot more about it. Uh, it's going to get a, 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 a huge refurb done on it. It needs quite a few things. And then uh, a Popeye and a, uh, and a versus Unisystem as well. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, that's, that's kind of what I've had going on. I'm really just kind of wrapping, you know, wrapping a project up and getting everything ready to start, you know, busting down, uh, these two centipedes, but you know, I'll detail it all here on the show and on, you know, and on the Facebook page as well. All right. So speaking of detailing things on the show and, uh, um, you know, new projects. Oh, this is going to be sweet. <laughs> yeah. I, Whitney and I've already mentioned this a little bit. Yeah. So here, here we are. I'm going to put my future in the hands of the broken token podcast listeners. Yeah. So, so, so everybody uh, flogging good while you got the chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. Yep. I've picked out, well, Whitney and I, Whitney, before we record, we walked out through my, uh, my garage and we said, we, we picked out some games that we're going to ask our listeners to vote on yes to be my next project okay so okay now Brittany, how long do you how long do we want to run the vote okay this 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 show we're going to drop this show around the 20th or so of april let's say the 20th to the last week of april so how long do we want to give everybody to respond back let's see two weeks would be 14 days let's go Let's just go in even 20 days. Okay. Uh, 20 calendar days. Okay. Just to pull a number out of the air. Okay. okay. So, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll run it for three weeks. Essentially, right, okay. right oh, it, let's well. just run it for three weeks. Okay. <laughs> Whitney, it's always the simple things that elude me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it, you know, it's that last day that'll make all the difference. <laughs> so I can, yeah. Look, I can give you 20, but I can't give you 21. Yeah. So like I say, everybody, when you, when you hear the show, uh, be sure to check out our Facebook page and we'll have the details of the, uh, you know, of this voting contest, I guess, for lack of of better terms up and then you'll get to choose the game that brent restores from from a, from a pool so uh, yeah. let's go with refurbished because we've touched we've done a whole good call good <laughs> call touche all- brent touche yes <laughs> we've done so much on re- on repair versus refurbished versus restore yes, yes. so we're going to do a refurbished uh-huh. so um one thing the first thing a lot of folks a lot of our listen- listeners will notice is these are all video games yes okay yeah and i kind of did that for a reason we, we've we've been a, a little pinball heavy here recently. Uh, well, which isn't a bad well, thing. No, it's not it, a bad thing. But, but there's been a lot of pinball content. A lot of pinball over content. the past month. Yeah, exactly. A lot of pinball content. Uh, the the last machine that I went through was a pinball, mm-hmm. and uh, I I in all honesty, I want to go through another video. I want yeah. another add another video down here to my lineup. So we went through and we picked out four games that I've kind of had on deck. And my yeah. deck, the deck is big. Oh, my, my project <laughs> list is big too, Brent. And this, so we're going to run through the games here in a second, but what, here, here's what I, what we want to do. Yeah. We're going to vote in two ways. Uh-huh. We're going to have pictures of the games up on Facebook. Yep. Okay. So in the album, uh, we would like folks to, to say I want Brent to do this game and why uh-huh. and it's because man I just like the game yeah um I'd really like to see it done yeah uh, it was my favorite game when I was young I just hey this is my vote for it yeah hey we'd like to see this one taken apart and chronicled yeah and uh, um and taken care of yeah. the other way is is we're going to encourage folks to call the voicemail line exactly that's what I was going to that's what I was going to add in that's yep. right uh, and Whitney's got the voicemail number right there in front of him yeah 470 to call BT and that, in my best radio voice that's 
470-222-5528. So call in and, hey, I, I want to see this game done. And I throw in there why. Uh-huh. And, hey, like just like I said with the, on the Facebook side, it was uh, my brother and I used to play this game, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'd like to see it gone through, and I'd like to see one brought back to life. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll tally up all the votes at the end. Now, how many days did we? we three were, weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Yeah. When that, now, that, that's 21 days. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to run it for three weeks. Let's do it for 21 days. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so enough. So 21 days later, uh, we'll tally up all the votes, and we'll announce the winner, and then that game will get pulled down to the shop, and we'll go at it. Yeah. So. All right, so here's here's the rundown, and like I said, we'll have pictures for all these games up on our Facebook page. So, uh, first up is Space Duel. Okay, and I've had you know here's a quick history on it. I've had this game on deck probably six years. Okay, I've had it for a while. Okay, six or so seven it's, years. It's, so the Space Duel is due. How it's about due. that? It's due. It's duel. <laughs> Man, that's oh, it's horrible. I, I, you can send the hate mail to me. I almost yeah, podcastbrokentoken dot com to say Whitney stop. <laughs> I almost hate to give history on this because this might tinge some of the voting. <laughs> <laughs> but it does have a sixty one hundred in it, it Brent. Yeah, it's got sixty. And, and there, there's going to be an interest factor just in that alone to me. Just if you go through, you know, start to finish, you know, Brent's secret recipe on a sixty one hundred everybody's going to learn a lot you know that's a good point yeah now i don't want to stack the deck on the space duel because i'm actually going to vote for one of the other choices but still the space duel would be pretty cool you know as an aside there wouldn't you we need to make a note uh for just that very thing brent's secret recipe on a 6100 mm-hmm. when i did my first 6100s i went through um you know edward lutz yes you know friend of the podcast friend of the show he was uh we got uh, a voicemail from him just a little oh bit my later gosh too. i yeah. can't imagine yeah so not to name drop or nothing but yeah right on <laughs> he was a, a a great influence and in kind of what i what what my little what the secret recipe that i use is mm-hmm. and edwards edwards an asset to the to the hobby he's got a lot of history and a yeah. lot of experience he helps a lot of people on clove i know that yep day, oh absolutely day in and day out absolutely yeah for free I, so yeah yeah kudos to him uh, i went through and pulled all the uh, all the hype uh from all across the old interwebs and and sorted through what was real and what wasn't and yep. um basically boiled down to my master parts list and i we, we need to resurrect that whitney we and, should and we, we really should get that on the website or something to help you know to help everybody out and maybe that'd be a good impetus to to kind of get that done long so. ago i shared it with you and yes you know i really i thought about putting on clove and not that i ever would think clove would go away but it could it could go away and i think right now i think we've got a pretty good vehicle to share it but anyway no, that aside yeah, that's that something aside. That, that that's something that we can talk about and um on down the road so first yep. game is space duel yep next up is tron Tron. this tron i, I love that game man <laughs> this tron i this tron came out of uh indianapolis it okay. was a trip that my grandfather and i actually took that's cool i've had this game probably five years okay. maybe pushing six years i All got right. it uh got it and uh the gorf that's here behind me in my game room at mm-hmm. the same time from the same person so yeah. um tron game number two yep game number three mm-hmm. is uh uh is a ladybug that's that's my vote brent I, I think we even talked about this before we started recording but uh it's uh universal you know ladybug's a universal game it's in a fantastic looking universal cabinet so you have to check the pictures on the on the facebook page but 
I, it just be neat to see a universal game gone through because that just doesn't seem to get um, enough uh, enough airtime or enough face time for for people to see kind of what the universal games were about, how they're put together inside, and uh, what what really goes on with them. So just from a uniqueness standpoint, and I like Ladybug as a game. It's a lot I do. of fun I, to play. I like Ladybug. I, yeah. I really enjoy that. Yeah, game. I, that's that's my vote, Brent. But you know, it's we're, we're, talk, we'll let everybody else decide. Talk, talk about. Uh, uh, putting a little tinge to the vote here <laughs> so this, this this game this is another I'll game going and stack it <laughs> stacking the deck yeah this is another game that i've had you know looking back at this list whitney i didn't realize how long i've had a lot of these project I, I, games I, dude my pro, don't feel bad i'm sitting here listening to you talk about how long you've had them I don't think that you and I are alone. Uh, I think I, I think a lot of our listenership would probably agree as well. Is you buy these games, or you buy even parts or restoration parts? Which, when we talk about the fourth option here in just a second, I want to get into that. But um, man, you got to bank this stuff because when you need it, a lot of it may not be able to be you found. Not be able to find it. That's exactly yep. right. So the the ladybug, uh, and I'm, I, here's an excuse I'm going to have to make to myself. There was probably. Th- good three years of downtime where I was still kind of acquiring and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I had my, you know, I had my finger on the pulse of the hobby for, to a certain degree, yeah. but, uh, after having moved and renovated the house that I live in now and yeah. build out my game room, yeah. uh, you know, that was, that was three ish mm-hmm. years that anything that, that, that I had prior, it was just frozen in time. Well, so, dude, don't feel bad. Like I say, don't feel bad. I'm, I'm I went neglecting them. <laughs> well, I, I think this is. I think this is probably pretty uh, a pretty common pattern of, I, I guess, events. You know, in the life cycle of, of being in this hobby, we all go through this acquisition mode, like this mass acquisition mode to get started to some degree. And I went through that as well. But now I'm at the point where I'm now I'm like refurbing all of everything mm-hmm. yep. that I've got and I'm actually in fix it mode right now you know so well, I do have a couple of acquisitions that I'm working on that I that I think are pretty cool acquisitions that I'll talk about if everything works out don't want to jinx myself hopefully I'll have that to talk about for next show I'm you know I'm 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 working on acquiring a couple of games but that being said that's like th- these would be like the first ones that I would be getting in oh geez Brent, I don't know couple of years whereas previously i was i mean i was you know picking stuff up pretty regularly for quite well, a while I used to, just in just in the you know, walk that we took through my garage there's quite a few things out there that they're, they're not capital games or conversions yeah um i got either i liked the game that it was converted to or there was raw parts there uh-huh. um hey that's a good cabinet and underneath that latex paint is joust art <laughs> and it looked good too yeah, you know so you know, that's a little bit longer term of a project. But anyway, yeah. you know, yeah. as we as we normally do, we're tending to fork the conversation. Yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. So, <laughs> so Ladybug, I've had that cabinet. Yep. Whitney, I probably had that cabinet about eight years. Yeah. And I got it without a board, and I do have a board for it. Okay. Uh, other and it, uh, the other than that, I do know that the the monitor was necked, which mm-hmm. you know I've got parts uh, that's repairable. Yeah. Um. But Whitney, Whitney was out in the garage with me when I took a damp cloth and wiped the control panel and the bezel off, and it is beautiful. It, it looks like you wiped off thirty years 
of of grime off of that uh, bezel and that control panel. It is beautiful. And Brent, you want to know the reason why I'm really so interested in in the Ladybug though, is because I have a Cosmic Avenger sitting out in my oh, do you? yes, I have a Cosmic Avenger in a very nice looking Universal cabinet sitting out in in my it, you know it's sitting out in my shop. Okay, and I want to convert it to Mister Do. And so it's going to be interesting to kind of uh, walk this, you know, walk that game. If it gets chosen, mm-hmm. walk that game with you just to just to kind of see what's going on. Yeah, th- thus far we've been real heavy on the ladybug. Sorry, con- sorry. <laughs> I, I need to I need to back off. <laughs> we've that. been rolling yeah. ladybug heavy. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> so, well, the next one, the next one, I'm also interested in as well. So game number four, yeah, uh, is Burger Time. Oh yeah, love that. No, so uh, this cabinet I've had. Uh, this is the youngest. If there is such a thing in in, in the uh, in, this in, this four, in this group of four, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this group of four, this is the youngest in terms of how long I've had it. Yeah. I've had this cabinet probably in the in the two and a half three year range. Okay, did a little trading, and I Whitney and I were talking about this earlier. I was trying to remember who it came from, and he he was kind of in the hobby, hot and heavy for a while, and he's he's been gone. I can't recall the name anymore. I unfortunately, but. I uh, did a little trading, and that's how I ended up with this Burger Time. So the Burger Time is pretty much a basket case. Um, it's you know I'm going to have to do the harness in it. I'm going to have to. I've got a, I've got board set for it. It's a it's an empty cabinet, but it's a beautiful cabinet. Okay, good, good. So 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 to recap this, Brent. So ever so what we're asking all of our listeners to do is to take that list of four, look at the pictures that are posted on on the Facebook on the, on our Facebook page. Choose which of those four games they want you to refurbish and, and essentially go through from top to bottom next. And then they just either leave us a comment, uh, tweet us uh, at brokentoken.com or call our voicemail line 470 to call BT and then leave us a message and tell us which game they want you to do and why and why they want you to to work on that game. Yeah, and let's limit it to you just added the tweet and that's fine. I really let's let's do Facebook, a okay. tweet or voicemail. Yeah, that's so fine. That, those so, would be the three ways. You know, in those now how many was it three weeks or twenty one days? What it, do we <laughs> in 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 the time that we're open for you're slaying me dude in in the time that it's we're open for voting. Yeah. Um uh that, those are those are easy easy ways for anybody out there to get in touch with us and that yeah. keeps us from having to to go through uh, you know stacks of different uh, voicemails and emails and yeah. you know a hundred different outlets to reach out to us you, yeah. know, you can you can facebook us you can uh, tweet us and you know you can call us from anywhere in the world that's that's right so so brent looking at the looking at the schedule for april uh we're going to work on the assumption that this uh th- that this show <laughs> actually reaches everybody somewhere around the 20th or the 21st of april so what that would do is that would run us uh 26th the third the 10th so w- what we would do is, is we would just close the voting um on the weekend of of may the 10th and the 11th so let's let's say at midnight on may the 11th is when it closes okay okay yeah midnight may the 11th and if that changes um well if it changes it'll be on the facebook page yeah, yeah, so we'll yeah so we'll, we'll put a notice out there but um but just for everybody listening that's kind of what we're that's kind of what we're doing we'll take the voting via the facebook page via twitter or via calling our voicemail line and uh run that all the way up through midnight on may the 11th and so that's sunday may the 11th so let's hit the list one more time we've yep. got a, a space duel atari <clears throat> space duel yep we've got tron yep universal ladybug and a burger time and, and burger time 
And you know, any of the four, I would be more than happy to have in a in a key location in my game. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're all great. And one thing I will say about the burger time, and this is this is. I think part. Are you trying to make up for being so like ladybug heavy, man, dude? I got to do something, man. When I when I go back and listen to this, it's like, dude, it's like I was on a ladybug roll or something. I don't know. But uh, what's interesting about the burger time is that right now it has no monitor in it. It's uh, it's pretty much you know an empty an empty shell when it comes to that. So it'll be interesting if that one gets chosen. It'll be interesting to see how your monitor selection goes. What what you have to do to get you know to get it to work and and everything like that. So yeah, I, I think this. This is this is a really fun idea, and I look forward to doing this. You know, a few more times down, you know, in the future, based upon how this works out. This would be fun to have you know the listeners weigh in and, and tell us what to work on next. You know, based upon what they're interested in. You know, the next the next leap is is that it's, Dude, it's not- almost like a contest. <laughs> <laughs> but I well, am I the winner because I get the game, or oh, am, no, I, am no, I the you loser? You don't win it all. Yeah, I'm the loser because I got to work on it. <laughs> no, it's it's all good, and though. not only work on it but document it. Yes, and, and you know something, uh, you know all's fair in love and war. So uh, we'll we'll take the same thing and, and direct that at me as well. So I'll I'll get a group. You know, hopefully after I get these centipedes done, then I could step step aside, and then I'll pick a group of four, and then I'll do the same thing over the summer. So everybody can mess with my mind as well so and, and even you brent you can do the same thing <laughs> so what's i guess what's the next what's the next step what's the what's the genesis of this is once a game is picked do uh do our listeners leave us voicemail and you know leave harass us, you because you're not and, going and fast harass enough? me because i'm not going fast enough sure, or, yeah you know i don't like that solder joint yeah, or, no, you could have done this a little better yeah or, those will be the fun ones to play brent <laughs> when, when all the when all the haters step up you know <laughs> uh, oh we're gonna have to have a real negative episode <laughs> at some point in time i mean no it, it'll it'll be fun man it'll be fun all so, right whitney so all good that's what i've got what we've got going on in terms of updates and uh um a little little listener interaction yeah. kind of voting yeah. thing we, we we're gonna get rolling here so yeah that'll that'll be sweet man really looking forward to it so yeah we definitely like i say definitely want to get uh get ever you know get all the listeners input in on this and it'll be uh it'll be neat to see how it turns out cool all right all right winnie so with that i think let's go ahead and we'll transition into a little bit of technical and restoration talk let's do it Okay, Brent, we are at one of the parts of the shows that I I tend to really, really love is talking about all of the uh, restoration projects that are going on in the community and parts that are available and artwork and technical discussion and stuff like that. So, so Brent, we've, we've got a quite a good bit to cover this month because there's been a lot of activity, you know, in the uh, in the community and a lot of this focuses on on the arcade side. Okay, admittedly, but uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a lot of what um, a lot of what everybody's interested in when it you know when it comes to fixing up their games and stuff like that. Well, when we get down to my section, I can add a little pinball. Fair I, enough. A little pinball love. There, for, there, you, there you go for for all, for all all the all the modders and restorers out there. So, Brent, I've talked about this uh, a couple times in previous episodes, and I just want to make sure that uh, we're doing due diligence and keeping everybody informed as to how as to how this is how this is running along. Started uh, started a topic on Clove about uh, Rally X bezels and marquees getting those reproduced, and uh, apparently uh, Darren from Phoenix Arcade. 
Creed has uh, gone ahead and, and kind of adopted the the project. We were able to get enough people together for for doing the monitor bezels, and those are going to be run. Okay, so Darren's uh, now Darren, this was this was something you started, correct? This Whitney? is something that I started. Yes, yes, and it was something that I've been wanting for quite some time. So started thread on cloth, started you know uh, managing the interest list and everything like that. I reached out to Darren, and so he and I've been kind of batting this back and forth for several several months now. But we've we've got enough, uh, like I said, we've got enough people for the uh, for the monitor bezels, and we I think at this point, Brent, if I go back and remember my numbers correct, or if I remember my numbers cor- correctly from the last time I was in the thread. We're only one person away from enough interest on doing uh, the marquees as well. And that would be silk screened on tempered glass. Okay. Oh, very nice. Very, very, very nice. nice. Very nice. Uh, yes. And I'm all about getting marquees on, you know, getting marquees done on glass. They just look so much better. They light up so much better. Um, to me, there it, it just really takes the grade of the game and kind of ratchets, uh, you know, ratchets it up a notch. So very, very, very... Uh, very very neat thing. So last uh, last Darren had mentioned, like I said, we're we're good to go on the monitor bezels. Um, he had mentioned a March 2014 timeframe for for pre order. Uh, we know now that's kind of coming coming gone. So you know everything is sliding out a little bit just due to you know the workload of the screen printers that he's using uh, for this. But nonetheless, it will get done. And I just want to put the word out to the listenership. Uh, if you are in any way, shape, or form interested in Rally X, now would be the time to hop in, register on the interest uh, thread, and make sure that, that you get contacted when these do go on sale. Because I will uh, personally get in touch with everyone who's expressed interest in the thread and let everyone know when this goes live. Okay, And so, the thread will be linked in our show notes. Yes, it will. So. Yes, it will. So this is kind of like a personal, um, it's kind of like a, a personal pet project of mine that I've, you know, just kind of... Uh, grass rooted through to the point where we've got enough to go. So, uh, just one more person on the uh, on the marquees, it would be awesome. Now, Brent, the next thing that I want to talk about is Robotron. Uh, that game is awesome, and I love it. And <laughs> I, <laughs> we're gonna Robotron fanboy. Yeah, I, I am a Robotron <laughs> fanboy. Okay, there's no doubt about it. Now, with that though, the amount of reproduction artwork and um, parts for Robotron has been virtually non-existent for quite some time, okay? There Which what, is kind of shocking because it, it's a popular it, it, game. It's a hugely popular game. And yes, you're right. It is very shocking. You would think that control panel overlays and monitor bezels and marquees would be readily available at really about any time for Robotron, okay? You would think. But they're not. So, uh, what what has uh, what has turned up is again, you know, Darren from Phoenix Arcade has had uh, opened up a and I, if I if I'm if I'm stating this wrong, I do apologize. But I believe that he he started the interest thread on that, and um, we were able to get uh, we were able to get enough people. No, I I take that back, Brent. Someone from Clove, but I, I I cannot remember his handle right now. Started the interest thread and managed this the same way that I'm doing the Rally X uh, the Rally X parts. And I apologize for for not knowing his name up front. I I should have was done it Vector it. Collector. Um, 
I'm just looking back at the thread. It looks th- like the first you, post says was. Vector Collector. Vector Collector. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Kudos to Vector Collector for getting this done. Um, but nonetheless, that um, that interest thread went on to pre-order and went on to production. And Darren cranked out these Robotron um, monitor bezels in record time. Okay. And I received mine a couple weeks ago, Brent, and popped open the box. And it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Now, the reason that this is noteworthy, okay, is because... Darren made uh, a, a few improvements to your standard Robotron monitor bezel. Okay, this is uh, it's done on tempered glass, and it does have a slight tint to it. Okay, it's not clear. Uh, and some Robotron bezels I know are clear, some are, are tinted, but he did this one with a slight tint to it. And he went ahead and had the instruction card screened onto the glass as part of the bezel artwork itself. Because normally the instruction card on a Robotron bezel is taped in from the back. Okay, and that card is removable. It's losable. It's apt to be torn up. Apt to be whatever when you're restoring a game or refurbishing a game. And what's nice is this instruction card is now screened in. Is there uh, anything on the instruction card that you recall that was like? so many points for an extra man or i wonder why they did that unless it was just you mean why why they didn't screen it in to begin with i I don't know i don't know why williams did or did not i would i was actually shocked to learn that it was not screened in yeah i knew that it wasn't i was wondering but i didn't i couldn't recall what was on it i was almost wondering if it was like an apron card on a pinball where you change it out depending on the settings of the game. But yeah, anyway. And that may very well be the case. I mean, just kind of going from memory, I think it tells you like how many plays for a quarter, you know, what does a quarter buy you and things like that. And so, um, so Darren went ahead and did the legwork, got that card screened in, uh, and, and the, be- and the bezels are just, uh, they're, they're a thing of beauty. So thank you, Darren. And thank you, Vector Collector. And thank you everybody who stood up to get that run made, because if memory serves me in reading through the thread, Brent, it almost didn't happen. It got very close to the cutoff time. Uh, and I know there were a couple collectors that stepped up and bought multiples. Okay. In order to make it happen. But like I say, I ponied up and, and hopped in on that and I'm just, I'm so glad that it got done. And you know, Brent, my my Robotron didn't even really need it. The, the only the reason I did is because I wanted to see, you know, I, I wanted to contribute and see it done. And the big thing is kind of I guess kind of um tying back to a statement that I made in the previous segment. If you don't support the vendors and get some of this stuff while it's available, then it may be five, seven, or ten years before it becomes available again, if it becomes available again. You know, Whitney, I know we've talked, uh, touched a little bit in past episodes about storing parts and, yeah. you know, kind of keeping your sources a little bit secret and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. And, and dare I say hoarding. I hoard. Yeah. But, I do. You know, I, I admit it. I'm, I, you know what? I am, I am quote unquote doing air quotes right now. I am quote unquote that guy. Yeah, I, I do I, it too. I freely admit it, man. Yeah, I've got, I, I, I don't, I don't. I cast no dispersions against it because I'm 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 one of those guys that does that. Especially man. with stuff like this, you know, if you think that you will have a Robotron, I like Robotron. I'm want to eventually have a Robotron. I'm looking for a Robotron. Yeah, you you've got to get some of the stuff when you can get while it. the getting's good. And that's the thing about Rally X, man. I know that it's not a popular game. It's one of my favorites, but I know it's not a popular game. But Dare I say that if you don't get in on getting this monitor bezel and hopefully the marquee, which are both are going to be screened on glass, if you don't hop in and get these, 
chances are it will never be done again. That That's the thing. It's taken a while to get the interest level to the point where Darren will will give it some attention. And I doubt I doubt it's going to be profitable enough to the point to where, uh, or the interest is going to be high enough to where it's ever really yeah. done again. So, so I guess what I'm saying here is if you've got the means to do it mm-hmm. and you think it's something that you will have at some point in time you'd like to have, don't sit around. Well, and, and that, wait. That's exactly right. And that leads into what I wanted to mention next was major havoc. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Brent, major havoc for me is is an enigma. I didn't know much about the game up front. Uh, I didn't. And Quantum is the same way. I didn't. I never played those games back in the day. Never saw them on location. Have only really come to find out about the games through the community over the past you know three to four to five years. All right. But major havoc, one of the uh, rarer, if not, I, w- I won't say rarest, but definitely one of the rarer Atari Vector games color vectors and major havoc much like quantum has been getting a lot of attention over the past couple of years now one thing that is going um that that has just kind of recently wrapped up is a um is a project by take by clover take man okay troy uh troy achey and troy is the metal master uh, essentially on clove and he he's the guy that makes a lot of these metal reproduction parts happen that probably just would not happen otherwise so troy was part uh, or troy um ran a uh, a thread an interest thread and then a uh, a pre-order thread for major havoc conversion panels for tempest games or for for tempest machines so now for for those that may not be aware Mm -hmm. there was major havoc conversion kits on a tempest on a tempest yes but it used the the tempest spinner it did use the tempest spinner that is correct and don't hold me to this you with the kit you've you've got a major havoc a major havoc board Uh uh-huh you've uh, received uh, an adapter that would adapt that major havoc board to the tempest wiring yeah you received uh instructions and a template so that you can convert the monitor to uh from vertical to horizontal yeah and an overlay and yeah. art, well artwork yes so but you you retained the spinner yes or yeah. uh yeah the spinner from tempest yes you did yes you did so, so now this is different in that this Go is ahead. different in that troy cut these panel or had these panels cut to the point to where you could where it would accept the roller controller from the dedicated major havoc uh cabinets and those uh, dedicated major havoc cabinets were done in the same style as the irobot cabinets from atari and so very unique cabinet very beautiful cabinet for what the for what the game is um but all that being said it's nice that we can take these t- a Tempest cabinet, convert it over to Major Havoc, and play it with the controller that it was originally designed for. Okay, so like I say, tr- so uh, Take Man ran these panels, uh, and in full disclosure, I hopped in and uh, and bought the package. That as came, did I, it, it, and, and that's what I was going to say, Brent. You did as well. Um, it's in the horde. It is in the horde. It is become. I've borged it. Is what I've done. It's <laughs> it's part of the collective now. So I borged me the panel, and uh, it's nice because uh, Troy was offering or Take Man rather was offering a package deal where you get the panel, um, you get a marquee from uh, Phoenix Arcade, a conversion mar- a conversion class marquee for uh, for a Tempest, and uh, it just it just worked out really really well. You know, it was a very very nice setup. Very. I, nice I setup. went ahead. You know, Whitney. I, I've got a Tempest, and uh, I happen to over the years put together the pieces to create to convert a Tempest. 
include to major havoc to to a major havoc. Yes, which would include uh, now what it, that would include the factory conversion control panel, uh-huh. which you know with the spinner and all that fun stuff. That's right. And and I I did like the uh, uh, the bezel, uh-huh. which uh, yeah, the, uh, the excuse me, the marquee art, marquee, which I yeah. knew was available. Yep. So in this situation, I went ahead and jumped in, and I I, I got all the pieces: the yes. new control panel, the matching overlay, and yes, yes, and, and the marquee oh, thank, that I thank needed. Thank you. The, the overlay, I did I did neglect to mention that. So that was the third part of the kit, which was a a, a specially cut control panel overlay that is matched to this particular control panel that is cut to where it accepts the roller controller and looks factory. So it, it's a beautiful thing. So the reason why I bring all of this up is that was delivered. I got that in a couple of weeks ago as well, Brent. Pop the, pop the box open and everything is immaculate. Oh, it's I beautiful. Mean, it's beautiful. So not only does Phoenix Arcade do tremendous work on the on the art side of it, but uh, I just want to give a shout out to, to Take Man because just these types of projects that he takes on for the collector community and brent this is even this isn't even anything that would appeal to most people this is a very highly um specialized type of of part and it's it's amazing that we get the part and the artwork to match you know okay? in all honesty and looking back at the last two things you've talked about the rally x and the robotron i'm a little surprised that it in my opinion, the major havoc. I'm surprised it even got done. Well, yeah, I, it came off. It seemed to be uh, much quicker. It was very quick compared to, especially like the Robotron bezel. I figured the Robotron bezel would be a winner, hands down. Hey, yeah, and let's it, do it. And it almost died on the vine and Rally X. I mean, I, Brent, I've been I've been policing that thread for months. And you've you've got something like this major havoc conversion, and not it's not like you're taking an existing game uh-huh. and and a somewhat attainable not not the tempest and stuff isn't attainable but it's you know robotrons are around yeah they're around and, and they're always in high demand to to do, do a major habit conversion you've got to you've got to have the tempest yeah you've got to have a major habit board you've got to have the conversion pcb and um i mean that there's Two of two of the three things, two of those hurdles are, are pretty high hurdles to pretty, jump. Pretty high hurdles to jump. You're right. So, so one thing I wanted to mention before we move on to the ne- to the next item, oh, here, Brent, is the roller controller. Yeah, you got to have that as well. You've got to have the roller controller, and this is just a PSA to everybody listening. The roller controllers are available at Arcade Shop right now. Okay, but if anyone um, is thinking about order, uh, I'm sorry, is thinking about building a major havoc at any point in time in the future, you probably owe it to yourself to go ahead and order one of those roller controllers before they're not available. Yeah, you just don't know when they're not going to be around any longer. Uh, yeah, if if they ever will be around ever again. So, with that, I, you know, like I say, um, the whole major havoc scenario is is a project that I want to take on at some point. I'd love to build a major havoc and, and do intend to build a major havoc for my game room. And I'm just so looking forward to playing it with that roller controller all lit up and everything like that, especially with the matching art and all that stuff. It, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun game and it, it, I think it it shows the, ve- the the you know the color vector very well. It's a it's a very high um, it's it's a very high action game, and it has a lot of movement on the screen. And so it's it's just a neat um, it's just a neat showcase of, of what Atari could do with the color vectors at the time. So really really cool game. Um, 
the uh, the last thing, Brent, before we uh, hop over uh, hop over to your part of this, is I just wanted to talk about uh, real quick a, a couple of updates on some uh, on some existing projects that that are um, that are kind of I guess in the, in the works right now and are moving. We've got the uh, monitor test pattern generator, uh, and that is. Uh, sponsored by Cloth member Crafty Mac, and what's cool about this, Brent, is just as a quick recap, this is a self-contained handheld test pattern generator that will run off of nine uh, off of a nine volt battery, and you hook it up to the to the color inputs uh, on on a uh, on a raster monitor, flip the switch, set what you set a couple of options for you know for what types of pattern you want. Uh, and, and things along those lines, flip the switch, and it sends the signal to the monitor, and it allows you to set convergence and, and purity and things like that. An indispensable test aid, okay, uh, from that regard. For, I, I, may, I may have mentioned this in a prior episode when we first you talked did. about this. Yeah, where you did. Uh, the way, when I have to do that today, mm-hmm. uh, outside of, and trust me, I have looked around for some old test equipment that yeah. would generate... Um, generate the the proper signal and i it, you know a lot of them they're, they're expecting to tune like on channel three like it's like for a tv repair shop right you know it's not going to actually drop the discrete signals for each color and yeah. and as the arcade monitor would want as, exactly that's exactly right and you know i just i have not turned anything up or or felt comfortable about anything i've seen out there online to make me go and pull the trigger and buy one yeah so today I use a I use a Konami Jamma board, and I think I think that's what a lot of people yep. use. I mean, I've got I've got a Jamma Tetris board that I've been using. Okay, so you got to dr- drag a Jamma rig out and a power no, supply. It's a pain. And, uh, you got to have controls on it so you can get into the so you test. Get, in, get into the menu and everything. Yeah, it's just a pain. And this is going to be, from all practical practical purposes, this is going to be a little bit bigger than a credit card. Okay, maybe the size of like two credit cards. Run on a nine volt battery. Be all self contained in a plastic case and be you flip a switch and away you go. There's now, your not test that pattern. thin. You're talking about like X wide. Uh, yeah, yeah. Width dimension and, dimension yeah. wide. With you know width width and uh, you know width and length. Okay. Yeah, it'll definitely be. Maybe a a deck of cards yeah a deck of thicker. cards yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little higher than a deck of cards you know somewhere around in there so 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 with that brent you know the the boards the pcbs are done okay and uh the the, the crafty mech who's organizing this said that the uh, the boards are finished and the beta the, i guess the beta slash test units are going to be going out within the next week to 10 days or so and the cost on these brent has been pegged at uh, right at 50 dollars a pro exactly 49 now you know Brent. There's there's a lot of things that you can spend forty nine bucks on in this hobby and probably not get the value or the utility that this would bring. I personally am probably going to order a couple of these. Yeah, okay, I can just see for myself, myself doing the same. Yeah, one of my one of my traveling kit and one for my bench. That's exactly right. One for the bench, one for the travel kit, and that way you've always got one with you. Okay, because it's a, it's so very handy because a lot of times. It's very hard if you have to do like yoke adjustments or something along those lines. It's that's very hard to do when the game is cycling through to track mode and everything like that because you have to wait for a proper uh, image to be displayed and then do it very fast. And this is, I mean, you know, the value in this is you just you hook it up, flip the switch, and then you have a nice stable image on the screen to adjust drive, to adjust purity, to adjust convergence, the whole nine yards. I'm man. just thinking Mo- about how much you know, reposition the yoke at anything. I'm just right now thinking about how much easier it will be on my bench my my main work bench is like eight foot long mm-hmm. 
And by the time I set a JAMA board there and a power supply and, you know, I've got a box where I've got a yeah. JAMA test rig in it. I lay all that out and I spread it all out and I put the board down and I get everything insulated so nothing will, sh- you know, short against something else. Yeah. And then the monitor ends up on the far left side of my bench. Yep. Just and because it's just, of space. Just because of space. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to basically collapse this down into a box that's a little bit a little bit bigger than a deck of cards yeah so so dude it, it's it's a it's a it's an instant win in my book no no matter how it turns out so uh yeah so that's on its way and like i say we will have a link to the to that thread and clove in the show notes and um really the um the last thing kind of in in, pro, in process here is uh, what's called a Williams ROM board to IDE adapter. And this is by uh, a CLOV member, uh, and it's spelled S-U-C-C-I. So I'm going to say like Sushi or, or, or su- Sushi or something along those lines. Not sure how you how you uh, pronounce that, and I apologize if I've butchered it. But this um, this individual has, uh, has drawn out the plans for and has manufactured uh, essentially a turnkey kit that allows you to replace the, the the ROM board headers, okay, on any of your Williams games. And this will also work for, for pinballs as well, Brent. And so you can then run just an IDE cable, like a like a 40-pin IDE computer cable for a hard drive, and you can run it from uh, from end-to-end, board interconnect, uh, the ROM board back to the main board. And so it, it greatly simplifies the, the connections between the main board and the ROM board Board, it makes it far more reliable at the same time. Now, I have not seen this. I'm actually yes. going to have to go take a look at this. And yes. for, for folks that are not familiar with uh, IDE cables, mm-hmm. let me. I think I'm comfortable in saying that they are darn near a dime a dozen they, they are, are and they're they're darn near indestructible because they've been used in most any most most all computer previous generation computers all over the planet for years and years and years to do hard drive uh, to do hard drive interconnects i have uh, in uh, earlier in the episode i had, had talked about cleaning my shop up mm-hmm. i have a couple boxes well of, ca- it, of ide cables well and here's the thing which what, what this does is this eliminates a very proprietary connection on your will Williams games, and then turns it into a very universal connection to where uh, you eliminate probably one of the biggest fail points on on a Williams game. You you completely sidestep the need to have to find somebody if you need to recreate a cable uh, to that can get the ends and have the proper equipment to do the crimping. That's right, because. You these there these cables are are really really abundant. Yeah, they they are, and it, and like I say, it, it eliminates a lot of um, you know el- eliminates a lot of uh, contact errors and just you know anomalies that are so I guess common on on the Williams boards. So like I say, that is available and out. Um, the this clover is selling those uh, those adapters at this point in time. So I have a link in the show notes there. Um, from what I from what I, I see, they were. Very very inexpensive. I mean, you're talking, I think, under twenty dollars for each one, and so you know, it's a, to me, it's it's that's a no brainer as well. Okay, so definitely a good thing. And Brent, as far as um, you know, as far as uh, new projects that are that are coming up, just got a couple of these here real quick that I want to mention. There's a clover uh, that goes by Joseph seventy seven, and I know we've you know kind of build Take Man as the is the metal man you know in in this hobby, but Joseph has been doing uh, also some metal reproduction work, uh, and he's been focusing this on the uh, on the Tato or, or Tito, how, however you want to however you want to say that. 
just that's know, a whole other segment. It's there. a whole other segment and show right there. Leave but, us a voicemail. How do you say it? <laughs> yeah, how do you say it? And uh, let us know how how wrong we have said it. But I'll just I'll go with Tato, and um and he is reproducing marquee and bezel brackets for the Tato cabinets. Uh, and these are exact duplicates of the original and uh, black powder coat, very nice and rust free. And uh, the price is uh, the price is very affordable on those. I think he has those prices sixteen dollars. Yep, sixteen dollars. Yeah, sixteen bucks. So very very good. Uh, the next thing is uh, something that uh, I, I think would appeal to a fairly large listenership because I think all of us probably have had or do have. Uh, in their collection at one point or another, a Williams game. So we're talking about uh, Jass Robotron, Sinistar, Defender, Bubbles, Varkon. <laughs> Varkon. Varkon. Yeah, Varkon. Got, yeah, if you got, got one of those, let me know. I uh, made one into a chair. <laughs> oh, Brent. <laughs> The hate mail cometh. I, so. I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, and, his voice had said no. <laughs> I, I shut it up. Yeah, four seven zero to call BT. Just leave it for Brent. And uh, and then Moon Patrol. But here's what's interesting about these Brent is Chaircon. Yeah, Chaircon. <laughs> Chaircon. All right, I'm sorry. That's awesome, dude. Um, it, that's actually far funnier than it sounds, you know. Chericon, I, I wow. completely destroyed Whitney's train of dude, thought. Dude, that is the show title. We've got the show title for this for this episode. Look up in the sky. It's a Chericon. Um, so what what this uh, what this gentleman is doing is he is reproducing the um, the speaker grills for these cabinets. And you know, Brent, I don't know, you know, how your Williams games are that you've got that kind of like sitting out in the garage or you know queued up for refurb or whatever but i've got a i've got a few you know williams games myself and the speaker grills are always rusted they're always crappy looking and they're very hard to clean and very hard to get looking good to repaint them there's a lot of you know it's it's the little perforated metal uh you know the essentially the mesh is difficult to sand it's difficult to sand it's the mesh you know it's it's essentially the mesh and um so, so what this gentleman has done has reproduced these, and he's selling them on CoinOp Space. And as far as I know, uh, CoinOpSpace.com, and you can see it in if you go to the th- forums there, and we'll, we've got a, a link to the thread in the show notes. But there's they're for sale there, and as far as I know, these are not being offered up on Clov. So you do have to make it a point to go over to CoinOp Space to get these. And he's charging forty dollars a panel, and these are powder coated reproductions. You know, black powder coat, very nice, uh, very nice panels from everything that I've seen, and. Um, you know, Brent, I'm looking to pick up a, a couple of these for for some of my games as well. I'm going to give them a shot, see how they turn out, and uh, see whether or not uh, you know whether or not it is the real deal. So I'll I'll report back on that once I once I get one or two of them in. You know, I need to go out. One thing I I need to go out my building and uh, maybe we should have put in in the listener voting contest a Williams game. I need yeah. to go out in my garage. I'm not rep- I don't have a lot of. Oh, I don't have any Williams representation. Oh, I've yeah, got the yeah, defender. Yeah, I've got, got defender. a defender. Yeah. Whew. All yeah. right. Saved by the defender. <laughs> Saved by the bell there. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I, I I need to check in to see what I've got. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. We'll we'll have to do that as a as a second or third run of that contest. I think I think that'll that'll actually go over pretty well. So it's pretty neat. But uh, but uh, you know, like I say, that's that's an option. I did talk to uh, Take Man a little bit earlier in the week, and he is willing to do a. Uh, another run of the reproduction Nintendo coin doors 
Brent. So he says that he needs about 20 or so to make the, to make it financially viable. And for anybody uh, who might remember the prior run, he was doing both the single slot and the dual slot Nintendo coin doors, you know, for for the max. And uh, each door was going around seventy five dollars or so, uh, give or take a little bit. And that was uh, a complete door, like door, complete, and door and frame, and frame door and frame, black powder coated, hinged, and everything ready to go. So completely ready for all you have to do is transfer over the mounting hardware and and the coin max, and you've got a beautiful, beautiful hmm. uh, coin door you replacement coin door. You couldn't straighten, clean, and repaint one in terms of time. Time. For that much money. That's exactly right. And you know something? I have repainted a few Nintendo coin doors, and they take they do take some time. And I had to hammer straighten them and everything else. And so by the time you you know you beat the dents out of it, uh, you know get it uh, get it looking the way that it should, you know fill in any holes in it and everything like that, to get a solid straight and uh, completely um, I would say sheen perfect Nintendo coin door it's actually very hard to do and for $75 I doubt I doubt you can make it econ- economically viable on yourself okay so like I say so uh, so Troy is thinking about doing another run of these I he, he did prompt me he said Whitney if you start the thread I need about 20 people to make that happen so probably at some point tonight or tomorrow I'll start an interest thread on that and see if we can get 20 people to yeah, go so in by the time you hear this episode the it, interest th- It'll be going. The thread will be there, and yeah, we'll, and I'll post it on the Facebook page so everybody will have seen it by the time they heard this. By, by the time that, that they hear this, so, uh, so yeah, look for that. And um, I, I'd, I'd mentioned one thing, Brent, about a potential rerun of Mappy Marquees. And uh, Darren from Phoenix Arcade said that uh, he, based upon some of the uh, additional screen printers that, that he has uh, access to at this point, he thinks that he might actually be able to get those done again. Now, the, the challenge is they're big. They're huge, rather, you know, from a marquee standpoint. <laughs> they're large they, they have their own back box. That's how big they are. So it, it's, from what I understand, this is not something that, that uh, screen printers really look forward to taking on project-wise. Uh, just because of the dimensions and and just you know what's going on with that marquee, but Darren says that he potentially has someone that could do it. So we're looking at uh, if everything works out, probably late this year uh, that may actually come to pass. So everybody that has a mapping, a really faded marquees, just kind of stay tuned. Uh, we'll be certain to pass on the news as that uh, as that becomes you know becomes a reality. So Brent, that's that's kind of what's uh, what's going on in the in the in the uh, the arcade uh, kind of resto world as far as parts and and everything like that this month so here's kind of what i want to get into for this month all right a little bit of a a tech deep dive it's been a few months since we've had an opportunity to do one so i thought this would be a good time to kind of uh kind of touch uh touch on something that i know i've got sitting on my bench right now okay i'd mentioned earlier in the episode that i'm kind of going through and, and organizing and 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 all that and Sitting right in the middle of all my pieces and parts that I've kind of got pulled apart and pulled down is a uh, an MPU from a Williams System 11B. It's a taxi MPU. So the problem that it that this this thing's got is the the old story of battery corrosion. So someone had left the batteries on it for way too long. Mm-hmm. They corroded, and, uh, and that corrosion started to follow the traces and and kind of eat components up. So in the midst of uh, whatever project is selected for me, okay. you know, yeah. I'm going to kind of work on and off on trying to bring this MPU back to life. So hopefully down the road, I've got a game to put it in and maybe um, 
maybe before that happens, I can get it to a, another local collector's house that happens to have a System 11B game. <laughs> yeah. I could, all right, does this thing actually work before I, because uh, I, I, the pin that it goes in, it's probably going to be a little while before I actually get to it. So, okay. All right. So anyway, I want to kind of give a rundown on what it takes to repair or repair corrosion. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a pinball phenomenon. Uh, I, I would, in, in my opinion, say the pin folks suffer from it most often. Okay. And just about every, you know, pin that I can think of has a battery on it, even up into your, your later DMD type pins. And now you get into this, the, the newer Sterns and all that fun stuff. I'm sure they're long since gone. But yeah. um, the vast majority of your, your solid state pins out there, they're going to have a battery of some type, whether it's your your little box of three triple a's or yeah. you're going to have some kind of NICAD that's that's on them yeah, so, and it's leaked and it's leaked <laughs> yeah. and it's it started to destroy things you know this this translates over in the arcade world too so you've got a lot of games that's got uh a, a either um you know your nintendos they've got actual double a's on them your mm-hmm. verses you've yeah. got um uh, Donkey Nike. Kong 3 does as well. Oh, does it? It does. Okay. It, it has a, a triple A holder. Yeah, double A holder, rather. I'm you've sorry. Got, uh, on your, uh, you've got NICADs that are on your pole positions. Yeah. You've got uh, your MCR2 power, power supplies yeah. in your Trons and your Spy Hunters. That's that's a big thing that takes out the power supplies is, yeah. are those batteries. That's so, right. You know, and it, there's kind of a, an interesting an interesting topic to discuss I don't know, there's there's kind of a cottage industry in replacing the mcr power supplies with switchers and it seems to bring on as many problems as, as it solves, it solves. Yeah, you know yeah. i i like i'd rather repair and i've done it i've repaired battery corroded power supplies so i don't have that problem mm-hmm. you know to me i'd rather spend a little time up front fix the linear that was designed to work with and let her fly it, it so, seems like the games just work so much better with the original power supplies yeah, yeah. so even though I'm going to kind of kind of structure this around, and then I'll have pictures on our Facebook page and you know everything to kind of go along with it, I'm going to structure it around a pinball repair for the System 11 MPU. This still carries water when it comes to the arcade world, the okay. video world. So here's here's the quick rundown of the process I follow. First thing you, I want to do is I, I want a, a good survey of the board. I want to figure out everything that's been touched, and it, it's it's pretty easy to tell. Um, as you look at the traces through the through the solder mask, anywhere that the this corrosion has traveled, that trace will be discolored. And if if it's a small trace, it the the discolor is generally uniform. But a larger trace, like a ground plane, it'll uh it, it'll almost be speckled to a degree. Okay. So you can see closer to the battery, it'll be solid and it'll fade into kind of like a speckle, if you will. Whereas where it's not gotten yet and as it's marching its way across uh, uh, across the copper so the first like i said so the first thing you want to do is you want to figure out where it's at what components it's touched uh when i when i'd worked on the roller disco i had mentioned some of the battery corrosion issues that were there the that that will actually travel down wire across components into ICs, mm-hmm. so any in, start from start from the genesis of of the corrosion, the, the the battery box, if you will, or the the NICAD, and just walk your way out in a circle and figure out what every where it's touched. Look at all the ICs. Look for little green specks on the legs. Um, if one leg of a resistor starts to have a, a little green tinge or is a little cloudy <laughs> and the other side is nice and shiny, the resistor's got to go. Yeah, you yank, know? yank it and replace it. 
So go through, identify everything that's that's been touched. If there's any question, consider it bad. Yeah. Okay. Now you got to make a nice shopping list. Yeah. You know, the majority of the time you get you get fairly lucky, and it's like on your MCR two boards. It's connectors. It's it's a few minor components, relatively easy to get components. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get into other other games like uh, your pole positions, you're you're right there with whatever section of of ICs, whatever portion of the game that's handling. So you're right into some ICs. <laughs> as far as I can <laughs> they recall, just get eight up. I'm yeah. sure. As far as I can recall, there's nothing. Like on a pole position, there's nothing in that area that's major to track down. Uh-huh. You know, you're some 74 series logic. You know, so so make yourself a shopping list. Figure out what you what you need, uh-huh. and if you've got a specialized component, you may have to do a little homework. I know that on the system 11 uh, system 11 board, the uh, the inducers. I could tell the inducers had already started to wick up some of this corrosion and it took me a little bit to kind of convert them to what a modern part was and track them down and you know kind of get them in my shopping cart and mm-hmm. there's some uh, um, series resistors some sips there as well and it was the it was the same deal and fortunately you know someone else online someone else out there in the pinball world had gone through it so it was relatively easy hey look this is what you replace this with in today's parts so so, so where, where are you buying from most all of my stuff i like to buy from mauser okay I do buy from Jameco. Jameco's selection is small. Uh-huh. You know, they are they're good at what they're what what they do, what they do. Yeah. They just don't have a large selection. Yeah. So generally if if Jameco has it, it's it's a little cheaper. Okay. Now, here's one of the things about Jameco. If uh um they'll they'll list as the manufacturer major brands. And I, my assumption is is they're probably operating a lot of their business as as buyout from other manufacturers, overstocks, and you know closeouts, and and hey, this is I'm going out of business. Do you want to buy all my inventory? That kind of stuff. So you know, if you order um, say a a seventy four one thirty eight, yeah, it might be a Texas Instruments, it might be a, a whatever. So they're that it's they have this part number and it's a mixed batch. Okay. Okay. And, and I will say that I, I've not gotten anything completely off the wall from them. I've been very happy with everything that I've gotten from okay. them. So, so Jame Co. But my main, my main, the main place I purchase from is Mouser. Yeah. Go through, fi- figure out what all you need. Make yourself your shopping list. Um, once you feel comfortable that you've got all your bases covered, uh, now it's time to kind. You know, while the order's on its way, you need to start stripping the board down. So, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, you really need to have a good map of, of where, what the components are, and that'll kind of come come a little later as to, as to where I'm going. Get, get, get schematics, get a board layout so you know what all the positions are. And what I really like to do is I take pictures really detailed pictures of all yes, the areas yes so i know that this is this resistor is r41 and uh-huh. this this capacitor and, and it's oriented in this way right yeah, exactly exactly i know this capacitor is c12 and yeah. i know this ic is you know ic4 yeah and don't you that way you're not necessarily relying on the drawing package that that came with the game you're not relying up solely upon uh, someone's interpretation or a picture that's that's a line drawing mm-hmm. of what goes where yeah. you've actually got what you started with right there in front of you to compare with the parts list and you know to compare with the drawing package and figure out what all the components are so 
you, you might ask, well, why, why do I care? Because I'm going to replace these components and it's still silk screened on the board. Well, that's where the cleanup part comes. Yeah. So, you know, now we got to strip the board out at this point. If I've marked it as bad, there's, there's no, there's no, you don't have to be necessarily delicate about it. You may as well just go through and clip all the components off and just drop them in the trash and let them go. Yeah. You know, now you're down to the point of cleaning the holes out. The only downside with cleaning the holes out this way is depending on how you're cleaning the holes out. If you're using a solder sucker, you may end up pulling those last little bit of the leg up into the solder sucker and it, it clogs your filter. So, you know, whatever method works for you, but either way, all those components got to go. Yeah. If that solder has been soaked in a little battery corrosion over time, it's going to be difficult to deal with. One of the things I find is uh, is helpful is to flow a little new solder mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Do it from the solder side it of the board. It makes all the difference, doesn't it? It makes all the difference. Sometimes sometimes I'll do it from the part side. Yeah. You know, that's where your batteries are going to be. It's on the part side, whether it's a NICAD battery or if it's a box of AAAs. So there, you know, the the... The solder side may be nice and shiny, but the difficult part may be the the part side. So mm-hmm. I'll flow solder from the top, clean all you know, just ha- whatever method you need. Uh, it's kind of a learning process, and it, you've got to adapt depending on what's going on with the board, how long it sat like that, uh, just just the overall condition. Take your time. Uh, you're already in the, in the next step. You're already going to probably introduce a little bit of damage. Let's not make it any worse with kind of getting in a hurry, peeling up uh, pads, peeling up traces. Because the repair of that is far more excruciating and time consuming than just taking a little bit of time up front. I guess a little bit of care up front. Exactly. I mean, I learned that on working on one of my Sanyo chassis. It's you can you can get pretty, uh, you know, gung ho and cause yourself some more problems. Exactly. You know, don't get in a rush. I I look at it like this. Um that that from a monetary perspective and fixing this particular board this system 11b board Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be a few bucks in parts let's just say 50 dollars in parts it's going to be a little bit of labor uh the alternative is hunting down a working system 11 cpu board Mm -hmm. which is probably going to cost me i'm going to i'm going to throw out a couple hundred dollars probably gonna cost me a couple hundred bucks or you go with a replacement board, and just for giggles, I, I took a look, and it seems like a replacement board from one of the manufacturers is in the $400, $420 range. Oh so I mean, th- that takes the economics of your game and turns it upside down yeah, real exactly. fast. You know, yeah. this is, yeah, depending on how bad the board is, is corroded, you may have, and how, how you value your time, That's true. you may have more than $400, $400 in it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if, if hey, you like the system 11b board i know that i'm not going to get to the pin that it goes in right away it's going to sit here on the workbench and between little projects waiting for parts or whatever between mm-hmm. podcasts yeah. and editing sessions or <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever i can i can turn the television on knock out an hour on it yeah you know and before i know it's done it's done yeah, yeah. just little bits at a time now, and you can't run out easily no one makes it well not yet no one makes a replacement pole position board <laughs> it's in the works though. it's in the works yes um you I, know, w- I will be a customer of that as will uh, i yes as will i definitely so you know dep- if the corrosion is not that bad you may have all the parts on hand it may take you a couple hours to, to get it knocked out so anyway anyway to me I, i'd much rather repair the board i think it 
it, it just makes more sense for me to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so once you get all the components off the board, I like to go ahead and give the give the board a good you know vinegar bath. Okay, you know, and I just kind of you know the the thought is is the chemists out there are going to go after me. Everyone always says battery acid, but if memory serves, technically whatever that 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 goo is that comes out of it on your uh, on your uh, what's the scale, Whitney, where it's from zero to seven and it measures your your alkaline and acidity. It's yeah, the pH, the pH scale. Yes, yes thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, on the pH scale, your battery corrosion is more of a base. So your vinegar is an acid, and one will neutralize the other. So I do like to go through and give the board a good cleaning at this point and just try to work uh, work through cleaning whatever I can, whatever's on the surface. Go ahead and give it a good scrubbing with a little a toothbrush and a little bit of white vinegar. And that's what I was going to ask you. Do, you. do you use a toothbrush? Because that's what I – I just grab you know, old toothbrushes throughout the house, and, and they make their way down to the workroom. Yes, what exactly. They do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. After, after they're worn out. So, and that's exactly what I do. Uh-huh. Uh, give it a give the board a good cleaning all through that area. And in all honesty, while you're there, go ahead and, and go on beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to hurt anything. Mm-hmm. I I've rinsed the boards down with tap water. Okay. I know a lot of folks will say you want distilled water so that it doesn't leave any kind of residue. You know, I, I use tap, dude. Yeah. I, I use I use a combination of Wesley's bleach white, and I give the board just a good spray down, let it sit. And then I hit it with tap water and it just, it makes it, the, the boards just come out looking perfect. So if you want to, yeah, mm-hmm. distilled water, you know, I've got pretty hard water here where I live Yeah, and I, I still use tap water. Yeah, I use tap water too. Now, I've, I've never suffered for use it for using tap water. Everything, everything I've ever worked on has been a, okay, just give it a good day or two sitting in front of a fan or a dehumidifier or something just to let it dry I've, out. I've cleaned monitor chassis outside, mm-hmm. and then I'll just take them and set them on a box or something out in the driveway in the sun. That's it. And then every uh, hour or so, I'll walk by and I'll flip it. Flip it, yeah. Just not upside down. I'll, I'll prop it up on a box, and I might turn it 90 degrees so that if there's a little drop of water hiding behind something, uh-huh. it'll might have an avenue to drain itself out. Yeah. And, so and Even over the winter, what I've done for the ones that, that I've worked on, Brent, I'll... You know, I'll, I'll uh, you know go go ahead and strip the chassis as much as possible, and then I'll take it outside. And um, even even when it's just dead, you know, dead cold outside, I'll still hit it with the Wesleys, and just let it soak for just a minute or two, and then hit it. And then I get out a, a garden hose mm-hmm. with a sprayer, yep. and I hit that monitor chassis full blast with with water. And uh, then I take it back inside, and I've devised these little stands for for my monitor chassis, and I'll just kind of prop them up and i'll let them sit there no no joke i'll let them sit there for two or three days inside the house oh yeah with, with a fan with a fan blowing yeah on if them. you're going to douse them no yeah. matter what it is if yeah. you're doing just a general cleanup or you're going to do a repair like we're talking about here a battery corrosion yeah if you get it wet don't run to plug it no, in oh yeah don't get in a hurry oh, oh, no. you're not you're not going to clean the chassis up to yeah. show it to your collector buddies at the party tonight yeah and, and trust me nobody really cares how clean your chassis are <laughs> That, that sounded weird. That didn't, didn't come it? out right. That didn't <laughs> come out right, did it? Okay. Yeah, so anyway, we're, yeah. we're leaving that in. Yeah. That being said, so now, now, now you got to. Re- <laughs> I can't even. I can't even pick back up. So, so now, now we got to do the deep cleaning, and yeah. this is an abrasive cleaning. Um, this little tip I picked up from uh, uh, here's what's the fourth mention in the show? Edward Lutz. Oh, he's the man. He's the man. Yeah. Edward's everywhere. Edward will actually sandblast or a media blast rather uh, a cor- corroded PCB. 
So what, that's a new one on me. Yeah, that, that, that's that, that just almost seems foreign to me to do that. But I, next time, next time we talk to Edward, I, I'm definitely going to have to ask him about that. Well, here's the way I'm looking at it. If and I'm sure this is where Edward's coming from, and, and whoever else may have may, may may do this out there. I mentioned the traces earlier, and mm-hmm. you can see the how a trace that's got you know the corrosion basically walking through it has yeah. has is darker than everywhere else uh-huh. you're going to have to get that out it will continue to march it so does, so even if you replace all the parts yes. that have corroded or have corrosion associated with them the corrosion that is still inside the traces between the parts will eventually do it back in. That's Correct. what you're saying. Yes, it will continue okay. to move. So it marches just like a little group of ants, right? Exactly. Okay, fair you enough. Know, a perfect example, we've we've not beaten this dead horse enough. Let's go back to the roller disco. The, uh, the roller disco, if you look back on our Facebook page, it had connectors off of the MPU that were damaged by battery corrosion. Yeah. The, the, the CPU... The MPU board was re- replaced with that Nywumpf. Okay. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. So, because I, I, I just like to say that word a lot. <laughs> Nywumpf. Nywumpf. Yeah. So, Wumpf. who whoever had done the work on it originally replaced, kind of haphazardly, but replaced two of the connectors. One of them they did not. Okay. That can, uh, one of the connectors they replaced serviced the coin door. So, despite the fact that the connector was replaced, the wire say two inches from from the board was still the original wire and it had gotten full of this corrosion so in the time between the repair and me getting the game and working on it 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 unrepaired itself it had unrepaired itself (laughs) it had marched itself down to a board in the in the lower lower cabinet where the where Gottlieb basically put their diodes they didn't put their diodes on the switches they would put them on a board and then run the wire they lay kind of lay them in parallel and then cross the wire from the switch through the diode and then off to wherever it was going I, so I see. Um, a couple of them I had to go all the way down to the diode and at least one of them it was like I was just when I described this you know just mythological resistor earlier <laughs> it literally you could see the corrosion growing like crystals on one side of the diode yeah and the diode was discolored but the wire the out the other side the the leg out the other side was still shiny it hadn't crossed its way all the way through yeah another one of the connectors they hadn't replaced it had uh corrosion in the wires which i had to cut the wires back and replace and it had actually gone back and started to chew on uh two of the pads on the fingerboard mm-hmm. of the Nywumpf. So I had to go and clean that up. Okay. So it, it had it had gotten far enough back that it had actually gotten into a, um, a little cap that was right off of the, of the edge of the board. Yeah. And it had just, I mean, the cap was puffy and it was just, so yeah, it continues to march on. So yeah. you've got to get the, you've got to get that corrosion off the traces and what, what you end up having to do and it, what, what I learned this from Edward is he media blasts. It's, it's interesting. So, in, so in, in a in a media blasting cabinet. In a media blasting cabinet, and you know, wow. I'm going to refer back to our old friend Harbor Freight here. <laughs> and I've been wanting one of these. I really have. A, I've been looking for a reason to buy a media blasting cabinet because I've got like lots of marquee brackets and bezel brackets and stuff like that. But Brent, truly, I had no idea that this was an application for that. Uh, I had originally picked this cabinet up. 
Man, you uh, learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd originally picked this cabinet up. I was I was using it to uh, clean up some metalwork on a pinball machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harbor Freight, and this is from memory, Harbor Freight basically has three sizes. They've got uh, two desktops two or two tabletop sizes yeah a smaller kind of a medium and then they've got a larger freestanding cabinet i'm looking at their site right now and i've only been able to pull up real quick uh the the two larger cabinets the larger tabletop size which is the size i've got and and they call it a 30 gallon Mm -hmm. or it actually says gallon and the other one says pound so it's probably more like a 30 pound and the larger standalone unit is a 40 pound cabinet so in my case, I had an old base cabinet out in the garage, you know, with like a, a drawer and a couple shelves underneath it, and that that had, that made a perfect stand for the the. Is this a thirty pound or a thirty gallon here? I'm bringing it up. No, it says thirty gallon. The other says thirty pound. I bet that's a typo. I'm sure it's meant to be thirty pound. But regardless, I, I love Harbor Freight. Yeah, but there's there's no possibility of typos on that website. No, no, none at all. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, just th- we'll, think of it what you will, but yes. <laughs> we'll put the link out there. It's yeah. the, the Their current item number is 42202. We'll put the link out there. Like I said, you can put it on a bench top and, or, or, you know, go into a thrift store and find a, a cabinet of some type. It, it's the, the thing isn't very large, but it's large enough I, to do, you know, pretty much anything I've needed to do thus far. I, I've done... Uh, I've done a lot of pinball parts in it. I've done a lot of ramps in it. I've done, you know, a lot of stainless, stainless parts, stainless ramps, uh, the uh, the upper loop, the upper arch from from some later DMD games fits in it. Um, the, I, I've I've had real good luck with it. Now I will give you this little bit of this little tip. This particular cabinet basically comes assembled, which is kind of rare for a Harbor Freight thing. Very very true. Yeah. Before you use it. Uh, Turn it upside down and just take you some silicone and caulk it and just caulk it. And, and, you know, you bring up an interesting point here, Brent, because I've been looking at these media blasting cabinets uh, from Harbor Freight for a while, and I've done some research on them, and I will include this in the show notes for this episode. But there is actually a a, a small little um, mod list for these cabinets. Oh, yeah, I've noticed that, that, too. that, That people recommend. They say, oh, yeah, it's a fine cabinet. But before you put it into service, you need to do these four things, mm-hmm. which means in, in siliconing all the joints is one of mm-hmm. them, as you mentioned. But I've got that list. I've kind of maintained it as I've been doing my research on these cabinets, and I'll make sure that I, I, I push that into the show notes as well for anybody who may be looking at that. Because apparently there's a replacement gun for the, for the uh, for these cabinets that people say are a lot better than the Harbor Freight gun, and then just a couple of other little items as far as like lighting and air circulation inside the cabinet while you're using it well this cabinet the cabinet that i've got uh, which, which one did you say you have you've got the 30 pound cabinet i've got the 30 pound or 30 gallon however you want to look at it yeah it's, it's the 30 yeah so that's item 42202 right yeah, it is. okay yeah and the other the other item number it looks like is uh Six eight eight nine three. Yeah, that would that's be the, the forty. That's the forty pound uh, freestanding. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to go with that cabinet. And here's here's the differentiating factor for me. From a size perspective, I didn't see that I was going to need the, what little bit bigger you know width that the forty pound gave me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had this cabinet sitting around this this like this base cabinet with a little drawer in it. 
that I could use to stand it on. It was a little smaller, and it was about hundred bucks cheaper. The, really? the the forty runs right now as of this recording two hundred nine ninety nine. Yep. The thirty runs one nineteen ninety nine, and of course yeah, they're that, that is on sale. That, well, it's on sale through April though. Oh, that's, is it? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Most of, I, I tend to get the 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 circular, and they tend to most always be on perpetual they're, sale. They're, they're almost always on sale. But yeah, it's one of those things. This is a large enough purchase on either side that you want to make sure that you catch. Get a 20% coupon off of eBay or catch this thing on sale and then go buy it. Because, Brent, I, I am... Off eBay? Uh, yeah, you can get Harbor Freight coupons on eBay all the time. On eBay? On eBay. Huh. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, you can. And so you so if you don't have a 20% off Harbor Freight coupon, go up on eBay and buy one and then go to Harbor Freight and, and make your purchase. So I do that all the time for the larger scale items that mm-hmm. I buy and um, from Harbor Freight, and it, it just tends to work out best. But I've been eyeing... I've been eyeing these things for quite some time. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. But I've got a backlog now of enough metal parts that I that I need to, need to blast. do something, dude. I'm I'm, I'm just going to have to go ahead and bite the bullet on now, this. Now, of thing. course, the, I already have compressors, so this assumes you've got a compressor. Uh, yes, and I would it, recommend at least a sixty <laughs> gallon upright two stage. Yeah, you compressor need a, if you have if you have the option to get that. You're going to move that. a lot of air with you're this. Move a lot of air because they're going to run at like a nominal like 100 to 110 psi. Yeah. and you're going to need something that can sustain that type of throughput. If you're doing metal parts, if you're doing metal yeah. parts, that is correct. Yeah. So I started out with the basic cabinet. Now I bought the cabinet. It was a little cool that time of year that I bought the cabinet. I've had it about a year. This summer, I, I'm going to drain the media out of it, and I'm going to caulk it. I would have caulked it when I first got it if it wasn't for the fact that it was just too cold, okay. and it wouldn't have set. Yeah. It wouldn't have cured. Yeah. I did. And that's a good point. This is this is like a summer acquisition. Yeah, this is a summer acquisition. Yeah, okay. And and, and listen, and we don't have to get hung up on this per se because there is there is yeah, ways so, around this. So, for, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. That, yeah. I meant for the for the overall yeah. uh, task at hand, which is this corrosion repair. There are ways around this, but this is just the way that that I have been doing it. it seems like it's got a lot of utility beyond just what we're talking about. Now, though. and I will tell you the way Edward does it, just because of space at his shop, he has the smaller tabletop model okay and he has a smaller compressor like uh and uh probably uh i'm going to say a six gallon seven gallon compressor like you would use to run a little air nailer oh oh, okay so you know something that you can pick up probably pretty cheap off craigslist or maybe even a little harbor freight model or you may already have one out in your garage to fill up your bike tire with Mm -hmm. you know so I knew I, I've got a larger compressor, so that's why I just right off the bat, I went ahead and looked for the upper sizes because I knew right. I could move that kind of air. And right. I've got space for it, yeah. so I, I'm I'm very fortunate in that, yep. in that regard. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I did go ahead and put a light in it. I went and got one of those, you know, the, the ever-popular $6 under-cabinet lights from Walmart that a lot of us use for marquee replacements. Uh-huh. So I put one of those in it. Um And that's the only mod I've done to it. I haven't replaced the gun. I've been happy with the gun thus far. I may and I may replace it. Uh, the only media I have run in it, and this is kind of what you this this gets gets us back into the board repair, is you don't want to run like a sand media. You don't want to run a real high grit media. You just want you want basically glass beads. It's very fine. It's mildly <laughs> abrasive, if that makes sense. And you know that that's that that's what you want. You don't want to go at this like you're going to strip. You know, a marquee bracket or some kind of uh, some kind of 
suspension component off the, the the Trans Am that you're restoring out in the other garage. You know, this is this is much more delicate. You're also not going to run that kind of air pressure. Start really low. You know, I will admit that that Edward has helped me in the past on this this aspect of this type of repair. So with the System 11 board, this is going to be the first time I've actually done the blasting. Okay. So I'm going to start probably around. I'm pro- it's probably going to be too low. I'm going to start around 15 pounds of air pressure. Okay. And I'm going to work my way up. And you you want it to be very delicate. So you know we're at the part now with the board. Let's circle back here. We're at the po- part now with the board point now with the board where we've stripped all the the bad components off of it. Take yourself a little painter's tape and circle that area. Make a you know you're going to make yourself a, a nice line of demarcation between the good and the bad. Okay. And take yourself a little newspaper or a little craft paper or whatever, and basically wrap and protect the rest of the board in paper. So you okay. would think, okay, a little tape, and is yeah. that surprisingly enough? It, ho- I, it holds up. It holds up just yeah. fine. Okay. I've used it. I've used it when I've done uh, like some some ramps from from pinballs that have that little bit of uh, blue spring steel yeah. at the end of the ramp yeah. for the entry. And but I want to clean up the stainless part of the ramp. I'll cover that blue spring steel area in in painter's tape. Now I'm not directly blasting it. Yeah, but. Even as I edge down to it and clean the stainless up and get yeah. the dirt that's ground in it out, holds up just fine. Yeah, see, so so to me it sounds like you know a roll of blue painter's tape and maybe some butcher paper would mm-hmm. do wonders for, for this. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you're done, the only thing that's going to be exposed on the board is the bad area. Start at you know the edge and just uh, figure out what your pressure needs to be and slowly work your way up the board. Now, here's the thing. If, if the trace is good... And uh, there's not uh, any corrosion. Nine times out of ten, in in my experience and watching this done, you're not going to blow the solder mask right off of it. It's okay. going to come out of it a little cleaner, mm-hmm. a little shinier, but it's going to look just like it was more or less. It's still going to it's still going to retain its integrity. If you've got corrosion, you can see it. It that solder mask is already basically kind of bubbled. And it's going to blow that solder mask right off, and then you need to gently work that area with with your your glass bead until you get a, a shiny trace. So now, here we are. We're going to go back and we're going to rely on those pictures because as you're doing this, you're going to lose some traces. Okay. Especially if you're around some ICs where you've got some real fine traces. Um, you know, you you think of all the little parallel traces you may have going right along your EPROMs. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a data bus. Mm-hmm. Real fine, real tiny. Chances are you're gonna lose traces. So so you're going to sacrifice working parts of the board or potentially some traces just to get back just to get back where where there's no corrosion Correct. on the board. Correct. Okay. And and the working part may be that trace may have worked mm-hmm. even with the corrosion on it, mm-hmm. but it has gotten so eaten up that when you just give it a give it a little bit of uh, of bead blasting, mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna, gone. It's gone. Yeah. It's going to walk the solder mask off and it's going to obliterate a part of the trace. Yeah. Okay. So um, just work slow, pay attention to what you're doing, and then you know you can rely back on your pictures. If you've taken good pictures, you'll still see that trace in the picture. Mm-hmm. You may not know where, where point A and point B was. In my experience, I can pick up each broken end of the trace and find out where it eventually started and eventually ended and then just jumper it. 
Okay. 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 So now if, if you don't have access to a cabinet, you don't, you're not able to go ahead and get one because of all the, the necessary pieces and parts, compressor and all that. Even if you want to go with a small setup, I have seen this done with a Dremel where someone will take a, someone will take the wire wheel attachment on a Dremel. They'll run a slow speed and they'll basically do the same thing. They'll walk all those damaged traces and, you know, if the solder mask is weak, it'll blow right off and they'll take that Dremel and they'll use it to shine the trace. Mm, Now, if you're doing the Dremel, the Dremel process, well, actually, to be honest with you, I I would do this either way. If you come out of a bead blast scenario, the board's going to be dusty. And if you come out of a Dremel scenario, you could always have a little pit or something that's got, that's harboring still some, some corrosion. I would go ahead and give it another bath with some vinegar and some water. Go ahead and give it another good cleanup, and uh, uh, before before I went anywhere else, just you know, if you've gotten to the point where where you're dremeling the traces and you've got the solder mask off, yeah. Now you've exposed re-exposed that area, and now now your uh, uh, your neutralization agent, if you will, it can get to it. Yeah. So I'd go ahead and, and give it another bath. Okay, fair fair enough. That's it's interesting because. You're definitely signing up for some board repair yeah. on top of some board repair right. is what it sounds like. Yeah, and Brent, I, I've not done this before. So this is this is very educational, you know, and just kind of running through this in my mind's eye. I mean, I can kind of see I can kind of see you know what this leads up to. So it's it it's, it, uh, yeah. it, it, it can be tedious, but mm-hmm. it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh if you're in a board like a a pole position or you know, this this Wait, I, I, so, I, so do they need like a lot of work or what? <laughs> a pole position? Yeah. Oh, pole position. That's that's what. Other than their power, that's kind of their Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> we need a nawump for pole position. Is I, what one we may need. be coming. Yeah, nawump. He just likes saying that, I do. It's awesome. Right, next time I see your wife, I have to ask her if you just randomly say that about the house. <laughs> uh, well, that might be the name for your next your next dog. Exactly. Nawump. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now comes the fun part, which is reassembling all all this destruction that yeah. you've just rained upon your board. Yeah. So if you've done good homework, you've got good components, you've got good pictures, um, depending on how much pressure you had to use and what portions of the solder mask were torn up, you may still have a lot of your of your component desi- uh, identifiers. You may still have the R1, the R2, the R3, the stuff silk screened on the board to let you know what goes where. That's the easiest place to start. Okay, I know this resistor is R such and such. The book says R such and such is this type of resistor. Load it, solder it, move on. Mm -hmm. And work your way back to the more difficult things to figure out. Um, Do kind of keep an eye on any damaged traces because you may end up covering that area with a component. So you don't want to kind of do yourself in just going through and doing all the easy to defy components first. So it's kind of a little bit of a balance. You kind of have to play it by ear. Basically, you just got to start building back what you took apart. And the components tend to be pretty straightforward. If you got good pictures, you know what went where. Uh, Identifying what might be a, a dodgy trace is that that could be a little uh, picky at times, a little difficult. Uh, your your meter is your friend. Uh-huh. I don't use the resistance setting. I yeah. use the the diode setting uh-huh. for continuity. Right for continuity is yep. what I do. Um, like I, I know one of the games I've talked about in the past has been has been my Adams family. Mm-hmm. That CPU is acid damaged, and it's it's a uh, it's kind of that CPU is a mix of surface mount and through hole components. The majority of it's through hole. 
and the lower portion of that CPU is just loads of resistors and little ceramic <laughs> capacitors, yeah. and that's where the that's where all the switches come in uh, to feed the switch matrix. So, in that area to complement all that is a blue million tiny teeny tiny little traces. I had the game running, I got it all repaired, and there was one that I thought was working. Mm-hmm. And it was working when I toned it, and then in the rest of the assembly, uh, whatever last little bit was holding on, I disrupted. Mm-hmm. Trace broke, and I ended up having to take it back out and add one more jumper. Yeah, you I know? see. I so see. Yeah. just just take your time, follow your pictures, follow the manual. Yeah. And if you think there's a problem, if if the if the trace looks suspect, you know we've talked about how to do this in the past. Uh, prior episodes go back check out show notes go back and take a look uh, take a listen rather Uh, got some pictures out there for for this same type of repair in a little larger format like on a a broken neck board or broken pcv it's the same type of technique if you think the trace is suspect you're not going to hurt it by jumpering it yeah electrically it's the same it's the same that's exactly the same if the trace makes and the board doesn't know any different if the if the trace continues to make the connection or if your wire makes the connection it does not matter the board will see it the same way so so basically let's let's run through it uh from top to bottom uh identify your components Mm -hmm. Uh, make yourself a shopping list and uh go ahead and try to get things on order while things are in, in transit go ahead and strip out all those questionable parts uh clean the board i like a little vinegar and you know i just we discussed this and we may get hate mail but i use tap water yeah um sand or i say sandblast that's a generic term glass bead blast and, and that's available at harbor freight as well that's a very common uh, abrasive media for blast cabinets it's not some specialty thing you can get it just about any industrial supply place any place that would would sell any kind of tool if they've got media cabinets blast cabinets they're going to have glass bead media it's very common yeah uh media blast or do the dremel method you know a little wire wheel on a dremel and i would suggest a slow speed because you'll burn right through you, just, <laughs> yeah. I, you could actually go through the board yeah, you could just yes. even not with a with a wire wheel yeah you can just start toasting it yeah so i'd use a slow speed on a dremel uh do a post wash um take a survey of what you've got figure out what you what's obviously broken what's questionable maybe broken and then balance that back and forth with the reassembly of the components you, like I said, you don't want to cover up a trace with something and not realize that it's broken, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for traces to run under the gap between the legs of an IC going mm-hmm. to the next mm-hmm. component down yep. the board. Yep. Yep. So, you know, balance it out, take a survey of what you've got and just take your time and reassemble it. Yeah. You know, and uh, be prepared for a little troubleshooting. Yep. But that's but that's if what you the take meter, your time. Yeah. Well, and that's what the meter. If you've if you got the meter and you got it set, you know, for, for continuity, you can walk that entire board and find out is all this stuff connected properly before mm-hmm. you ever power it up. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's where you play back and forth a little bit between your pictures, the schematics, and then just the board layout picture from any of the manuals. Yeah. See where things are and then th- see where things connect. Yeah. So. No, that's cool, Brent. I mean, for all the for all the products we've talked about, and you know, up front at the front of the segment, and now this, I'd say that I've got about a thousand dollars I need to go spend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I look at it like this: you know, the media cabinet may cost you if you go 
and I can't find the smaller one right now, and I'm not going to take the listeners' time I, to do I, it. It's I while, while while you've been talking, I've been on Harbor Freight site. It's it's not there. They only list the first two. Okay, so they, they only list the the forty pound and the thirty pound. And I'm going to assume Brent, that's the amount of media that it holds. Yeah, weight wise. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure the gallon is a is a typo. Yeah, it I has thought. To be. Yeah, at one point in time they had a smaller one, something smaller than this than this thirty. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's some here in Louisville. There's some other outlets around town where you can go and get industrial or consumer grade versions of industrial type tools mm-hmm. and you know if i wanted the a smaller size cabinet there you could find oh, the, them. yeah they're yeah. there i mean you, you can get them it's just that man you can just coupon stuff at harbor freight yeah. it's just so easy yeah yeah so, yeah. so, so the stuff's available so like so i think of it like this if you're thinking man if i'm going to put 100 bucks in a cabinet or even if i find a smaller one say 50 to 75 i'm going to put a hundred and a smallish compressor, ninety nine dollars. I'm gonna maybe put six or ten dollars in a light, and then five bucks in caulk and time to do it and all that stuff. Well, what's it gonna cost you for the first board, whether it's a CPU board for a pinball or it's a now want well, it's a now CPU board for a pinball yeah. or it's a or it's a a hard to find undamaged working pole position board or. Yeah. Um, it's a replacement power supply kit for your Tron or, or whatever. You know, you could you could have it. Well, it, not only could you have it, but you'll also uh, you'll also be able to apply your skills in a lot of other things. Exactly. It, it, and so anything around the house, um, and you know, I'll say this, Brent. You know, arcade repair skills and in restoration skills are very applicable to things outside of just this hobby well, you know so ar- arcade yeah. parts aren't the only parts i've put in that media cabinet exactly. since i've that's, had it i bet that's the case and uh, um arcade parts are not the only thing i've used those compressors for yeah yep so that's, that's it that's it so yeah Brent, so while i go count out a thousand dollars yeah like that's <laughs> laying around then why don't we go ahead and um why don't we go ahead and, and transition brent and let's get into a little bit of show feedback and uh let's listen to some voicemails off the new voicemail line oh man that sounds like a plan <laughs> Oh, it's going to be classic. (laughs) Oh, wow. wow. I I feel editing. (laughs) All right, Whitney, let's do it. Let's do it. So, Whitney, I hear we've already got some voicemails on the Broken Token uh, podcast voicemail hotline. We do, man. It's uh, it's it's awesome, dude. We we set up the voicemail line, and and like I say, for everybody uh, for everybody out there listening, the number is four seven zero to call BT. And we would love to have our listeners call in and leave us a voicemail. It doesn't matter, you know, funny, funny, serious, or anything in between. We just love to hear from everybody. And Brent, we got this thing set up a couple weeks back and started publicizing the number. And lo and behold, we've had a couple calls come in. So, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's good that we just you know let these let these babies roll and let's see let's see what we got. All right, let's see what the listeners say. Okay, so this this is uh, call number one. Hi, this is Jason Bradley, president <laughs> it's of Jason. the Rogue League Pinball, or should I say the Rogue League Pinball Tournament. He's, he's the Pinball King of Louisville. Calling he in is the, the Friday Pinball results. King of Louisville, yes. Uh, we've got have you, heard, have you ever heard of this Rogue League? Chris Redinger. I don't know what Friday. Commanding 100 points it for his monthly copper. He only got 100 points on Second a game place, of pinball? we've got Jen Yates. He scores Third like place, me. He's a little... Who? Okay. He lose track? Uh, uh, Nick. Nick, 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 
came in. Uh, I can't, can't say it on the podcast. Nick came in third place. I can't remember Nick's last name. Let's go find Nick. We'll, this we'll is, find a, we'll, did he leave? I thought we were. I thought we were unprepared. Yeah, I think Nick. I left. have it on my phone too, but I'm talking on my phone. I can't remember his last name. Order. I can't remember his last name. Okay, anyways, so um, <laughs> so much for presidential duties. Personally, yeah, I was out in two games. How many uh, were? What happened to you? Uh, this league's going good. I can't remember anymore. Man. So it's uh, uh, Nick. I think that was Ed Lutz. David and Coff. Like he it. came in third. So that's the uh, that's the uh, that's the uh, uh, the weekly results for the Rogue Pinball League. That's first place. Oh, the world was dying. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm total, glad, place, glad we got Jennifer this play by play. I'm fairly certain this third game place, hasn't actually been Nick, played. David and Coff with. 50 points. Poor Nick. Call Poor in Nick. next week. He destroyed his never, He never stood the a chance. totals for next week. And then uh, we'll have the monthly next totals week? after that. Oh, so, great. <laughs> uh, hats off. To Hopefully he's better, he's better prepared. You guys have a good week. Thank, thanks, Jason. Here's, uh, here's Vice President Chris Renner. He wanted oh. to take a couple Oh, oh. Okay, okay. Here's Chris. I don't know yeah, the presidents. I won the, uh, the Friday Road League uh, for the first week of April. And, uh, At least he's got just, the day down. Figuring out what we're gonna do from now He's on. Got it down. We love the podcast, and we're uh, attempting to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give them all the credit to talk. We're in talks of a rogue podcast competition, and, Brent. Uh, I'm, I have no fear. <laughs> that's, that's what's coming up next. <laughs> we saw the voicemail went. Well, no, we're not going to start live podcasting on the voice machine yet. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it another time. They're going to podcast uh, on our send, voicemail. We'll just send him the file. It's, I mean, that's one way uh, to get it done. Well, here, I'm already calling him. You want to talk to him? Here, here's Ed. Now call him. Okay, Ed, <laughs> all right. Ed's going to call him. Yeah, that is Ed. Fred. Oh, Fred's going to call Fred. Fred. I said Ed. That's My a, bad. That's the stage hey, Brian, name. Stage this is Brian McRoberts. He was out, he was out in two. We went, no, I was out in two. We're going to give somebody a... Are they passing the phone around? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gone. Apparently, they ran out of time. Ran out of time. They needed another quarter. Well, I mean, Man, you know, God, God love those guys. We love Jason. We love Chris. And we love Ed. They're well, just, speak for yourself. <laughs> Jason is Jason is the dictatorial figurehead of the Rogue Pinball League of in Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky. Yes, that's exactly right. Also, and he's also na- known as out of the city, outside of the city of Louisville. He's the pinball king of Louisville. The pinball king of Louisville, yes. yes. Great guy. And, you know, so Jason and I are good friends. He's gone on me with several trips for game pickups and everything like that. So, I choose so, to solid, have, solid guy. I choose to have nothing to do with Jason. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves good voicemail, though. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Gosh. Do we, do we have another? Yes. I don't, we, I don't know if I'm ready for another. <laughs> yes, 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 we do, sir. Yes, we do. Okay. So, here we, here we go. And this, this is the second uh, call that came into the line uh, shortly thereafter so let's let, let's roll this I one can, and see I what we got imagine. okay you ready i'm ready all right um i didn't really need anything i was just trying to say that um that edward lutz dude sounds hilarious <laughs> y'all should have him on there more often and um christy doesn't sound too bad herself all right bye-bye <laughs> Bye-bye. 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 Well, there we go. There we go, Brent. Our wow. <clears throat> our first foray into show voicemail, and we we dumped it. We had it. a... Re- we, we, had- we dumped it, dude. <laughs> we dumped it. We, I, I don't know what the first one was, and the second one was a ringing endorsement for a guest. <laughs> Everybody loves Ed. Everybody loves Ed. Oh, man. And, you know, 
from from the based on that voicemail, Ed likes Ed. That's yeah, you know something, man. <laughs> Fred <laughs> likes Ed. <laughs> no, it's like that Tim Wilson song, Fred's riding Fred. Oh Fred's, my, Fred's riding yeah, Fred. Yeah. For those that aren't familiar with Tim Wilson, Google that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, in 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 rest his soul, you know, poor Tim Wilson, man. That's something. But oh, that's not Tim Wilson. It's Rodney Carrington. Oh, Rodney Carrington. That's right. Thank yeah. you. Well, still, God bless Tim Wilson. So yeah, and while, while we got him brought up, yeah, yeah, you're right. That is Rodney Carrington. Dear He's Lord. a comic genius, man. Rodney's. Uh, maybe Rodney will call and leave us a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Rodney Carrington, if you're listening, call the line. <laughs> What's that number again? It, okay, it is four seven zero to call BT, and that is four seven zero two 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 five five. If you're playing at a pinball league, anywhere, it, it, just the, call us. Just we, call us. We may we, we may put message. your results up. And, and you know something? We'll we'll be we'll be willing to play all the voicemails that we get on air, and uh, it's it's good comic relief if we, nothing else. We're willing to, but we may not. Okay, there you go. It's a better way to say <laughs> yeah. that. The better way to say that. So yeah, so like I say, we'd uh, we'd love to have all of our listeners call in, leave us a message, yeah, leave us some feedback, ask us a question, you know, anything you want us to cover on the show. Uh, we'll like I say, we'll we'll listen to we'll listen and respond back to every one of them one way or the other how about that all right whitney with that yeah why don't we go i ahead think and- uh, i'm ready to move i feel like i excuse me i feel like i might need a, a shower <laughs> kind of dirty well you know i mean it is a rogue league you know that's, yeah, that, that's, that's well, what they yeah. say yeah. well I, I tell you what <laughs> with that why don't we why don't we get why don't we get back to business here and let's get into the interview that we have for this episode and it's uh th- this is um this is uh one of the panel discussions Brent, that you and I said during the uh, the Louisville Arcade Expo, the 2014 Louisville Arcade Ex- Expo, and we're going to talk to uh, uh, Kevin Kulik from Skit B Pinball. And, and Kevin, we- I I really hope that we've got your name right. I, th- yeah, I think we do. I think we do. Just based on the way it's it's spelled and everything, uh, I don't really know how else to pronounce the if last if, name. If, but if I think not, we got please it. forgive us. Yeah, please forgive us because we don't mean to butcher names. I you know like I, my name, I, it gets butchered a bunch. So you know, I mean, I'm sensitive to it, but I, I do believe we've got that right. And uh, we will also be releasing this interview uh, as a video uh, release as well on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's uh, YouTube uh, slash Broken Token Blog. You could, you'll be able to find it there. But uh, yeah, Kevin's a great guy. He sat down. We got to talk with him for uh, for the better part of an hour about uh, Duck Hunt Pinball and Predator Pinball and everything that Skit B has got going on. Now, as Whitney mentioned, I think you mentioned this, Whitney, this was, uh, uh, we were able to sit down for this interview at the 2014 Louisville Arcade Expo, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and this actually, it was an interview, but it wasn't... It's kind of like a 20 questions that kind, just kind of went, it just kind of went from there, right? you know? Think of it like a panel discussion. This actually took place in an open room. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Kevin uh, wasn't able to sit down with us in, in a normal, you know, ideal recording situation, Yeah, but uh, a lot of good information came out great, of it. Great content, and you learn a lot about... A lot of stuff about uh, the Predator Pinball and Skid mm-hmm. B. Yeah, and just boutique pinball in general, you know, how they run their business, how they develop the product, and, you know, what they're kind of what they're up to so yeah kevin uh kevin was a really interesting guy to listen to and a great guy to talk to so yeah brent why don't we go ahead and roll into the interview ladies and gentlemen uh we're going to go ahead and begin with kevin kulik from skit b i'm brent griffith from the uh, broken token podcast brokentoken.com and to my far right is i'm, I'm whitney roberts 
So we're going to uh, have a little discussion with Kevin about what Skip B's got going on, talk a little bit about the duck hunt pinball, a little bit about Predator. And if anyone has any questions or would like to uh, raise a point or anything, just come right around to the, your all's left, and there's a mic. And when we get a little break, I'll just, you know, we'll, we'll cut over to a question. So feel free to jump up and, 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 and jump right in and participate. So, Kevin, the first thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, let's get into the duck hunt, okay? I know that um, duck hunt and I, I, was sort of a, a – something for you all to get into as you were working on Predator. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Might want to get up into it. Yeah, when uh, Aaron and I were working on Predator late one night, uh, he had asked me how, like, what the chances are we could make a duck hunt pinball. And at the time, I, I gave him a look like, that is the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. And How do you put an NES zapper on a pinball machine? Well, he, he, want, he wanted to – I thought he was talking about a modern DMD, you know, ramps and everything game. Oh, okay. And it, that would be just a huge cannon to kill a mosquito moment. And he's like, no, like take an EM and just make it duck hunt. So like, we could probably do that. I don't know how to do that. So the, the thought was to actually start out with an EM because that's one of the things I was going to ask. What, I know you all started with a, with a Williams Valiant. Yes. So I wasn't sure if that was – opportunity or if you specifically went looking for an em um we specifically went looking for something cheap <laughs> uh, we, we posted to our uh, our pinball league uh mailing list and we had just asked if anybody's got anything really cheap and uh i'm notoriously cheap in my community anyway so most people don't pay attention when i ask for buy stuff but uh my buddy jimmy got a hold of me said he had this one it was chopped neck you know when they cut all the wires in the neck and it came from mm -hmm. like a repo guy or something so we got it, and I thought we'd just fix it and put, you know, graphics on it. And we were trying to get it to work. And it, so you initially you were just going to do a rethink. Yeah, you know, pretty standard stuff. A okay, lot of people gotcha. have done that. And we got to a point where I was so frustrated with it. I just thought it would be easier to rebuild this than to fix it. And we started tossing around ideas. And I'd done a lot of flash development in my life, so I thought it might be easy to get a flash element involved. And it just kind of grew from there. And when we finally showed it off. Uh, on the internet, it actually was posted on Engadget and a couple other major websites, and we got we got more hits on that video than like all of our Predator stuff combined times like ten. <laughs> for for something that was an idea while working on the primary game. Yeah, so you got to think that there's there's hundreds of thousands of people who saw that video, and right in the beginning of the video, I show the Predator machine. I said, "Yep, we're just kind of waiting on some contractors for this." And there's hundreds of thousands of people who probably didn't even know what that was. <laughs> but so, they knew Duck Hunt. Yeah, and they knew it. That started to spread. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute uh, H-bomb of nostalgia. You know, mm -hmm. pinball, classic pinball even, and Duck Hunt with classic Nintendo. And, you know, and if you hear that dog, I mean, it'll wake you out of your sleep. <laughs> so when you, when you decide – well, how about this? Give us a quick rundown of how the game plays because I know that it just from taking a look at, at your website and how the build kind of progressed, you obviously used the value of play field and you just worked with what was there. But you reused, I guess, you know, you put it best, at being cheap, which makes sense. You use a lot of the EM components to do some ball tracking and tracking of variables throughout the game and then tied it into a modern PC. So you had a lot of flexibility even with a predetermined play field. So give us a rundown of how the game actually plays. Well, you say work with um – that's giving it a little bit too much credit. Uh, it works kind of at the same time as. Okay. Um, the majority of the build was was spending a lot of time 
protecting different things. Because we're running an iPack in it, if you're familiar with mm -hmm. the, the game controller. And we have to protect that from the high voltage. So for folks that don't know, what it, uh, on the arcade side, what an iPack is, is it's a way to interface typical arcade controls to a PC. So it'll boil down a joystick and buttons to a USB interface, and then there's a, a, a little piece of software that comes with it, ties it back into MAME, the arcade machine emulator. Yeah, if you're into, into making MAMEs, it's an absolute blessing. Ultimark.com, plug, plug. Anyways, uh, so we have it running the iPad. Obviously, you can't put 40 volts through that. Um, well, so, once. You can do it yes. once. Yes, yes, you do it once. <laughs> you can do it once. Uh, which actually we have done it once. Okay. So that's that's iPad number two in there. Um, anyways, yeah, we spent most of the time trying to fit other switches in such a way that you can hit the switch to tell the computer what to show, and the other one actually moves the hardware around. So if inside, if you look in the little holes, like the little out-hole saucer things, there's two switches there. So, and then one feeds the iPad, and then one actually controls some of the EM equipment. Yeah, the one sends just a keyboard command, like the letter K. And then the, the software knows that K means drop a dot. Actually, it's M. Anyways, uh, the other switch will just completes path to ground for the high voltage to fire the coil immediately. Okay, awesome. And we used uh, we used the the score reels from it um, really simply, really simply. So, and you took the score reels down out of the head and then repurposed them to run run part of the game. Yeah. And then now they're down in the body. Yeah, they sit down in the back of the body and. Um, we didn't use them the way they were originally done because they're complicated and we didn't have time. Uh, so we ended up just using them, the, the two pieces, and we just jumped them. So all they do is control path to ground. Gotcha. So as you know, the start button will, will turn on the path to ground for all the coils. And then as it goes through three times, it'll just, it clicks, clicks, clicks. And then when it gets to the last one, it resets to open it so no coils get power so anymore. Here's the here's the question. Did you envision this? setting on your workbench did, did you figure okay here's my problem how am I gonna solve this problem or did you just decide okay I'm gonna take this and use this to I know I've got to count balls I got to take care of game over I mean what, what was the genesis of that oh. <laughs> it just it just made sense <laughs> no it still doesn't make sense I'm actually surprised it works um, so in, in effect you've got uh, an 80s vintage Nintendo game played on a 60, 60s, I'm not 62. Sure, 62 yep. vintage EM machine, complete with all the sounds that you, were, you would normally associate with an EM, and a modern PC in the bottom of it, and a modern LED display, or LCD display. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm really curious about, um, kind of, I'm kind of a closet software developer myself, is what, what do you do to create the firmware and the software and all of the interfaces in between all three of those different types of equipment? I mean, it's not like you can just go, you know, off the shelf and buy, you know, buy buckets of code that says, oh, yeah, this is for doing this. It, it sounds to me like everything is 100% homegrown. So who did that? How did you do it? How long did it take? And is it done yet? Well, luckily, in the, in the case of Duck Hunt, we had uh, I spent the majority of my life uh, just sitting in front of a computer building projects. Okay. Like uh, I spent about 15 years just doing like little flash cartoons. Okay. And along that line, you know, you learn the action scripting and stuff like that. So it, the, the, the code in Duck Hunt is pretty simple. It just shows ducks bouncing around, okay. and if you hit certain letters on the keyboard, they just add score and drop and die. Okay, so a lot of it is Flash, and you're just manipulating sprites within Flash itself, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, I, all I right. I pulled sprite sheets from Spriter's resource, okay. uh, just use them how I wanted to. Okay. Uh, the code is extremely simple, and it doesn't it doesn't do anything as uh, outside of a Flash object. So, okay, I see. Were okay. you able to um, 
I'm trying to think of a, of a way, a nice way to put this. Where, where did the sprites come from? Did you just recode the, the dots yourself? No. Uh, there's there's a website called the Spriters Resource. Oh, okay. They, so did, they have huge, huge collections of, of game resources, and we just went and got those. Oh, okay. So, so you guys didn't have to dump ROMs or anything like that in order oh, to no. pull the sprites out? No. Luckily, you know, uh, the ROM dumping community is, is giant. Oh, it's, so it's big. Yeah. So yeah. there's lots of those resources just out there. Yeah. Yeah. So while this was going on, the, um, the main cake in the oven, so to speak, was the Predator pinball machine. Absolutely. Okay. So, and then the duck hunt was, as you were waiting for suppliers and all that, you, you all had an opportunity to work on the duck hunt. So what, what brought you all to the point where you, you've decided, I'm going to build a pinball machine, let alone... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start right out of the gate with a themed machine, and, and the reason I say that, and where I'm gonna go with this, so that you know, is that if you do your own, you just do your own. That's if right. you do a themed machine for sale, you've got a lot of other people that come into play. Well, so that's it, a, it, it licenses and everything, yeah. and that's that's one question I wanted to ask about is is there, it's one thing to say I'm going to do a machine themed on X. And then if it, with the licensing, you know, what was it like to get the licenses, and you know, what, what was what was that entail? What did that entail? It didn't entail as much as most people would think. Okay. Uh, we we set out to build a game. We didn't care about you know making production games at the time. We just kind of it was uh, me and one other friend, and we had a, a broken firepower in the basement. We had nothing, no idea Brit, what Brit to do. Brit knows that well. Yeah, I know about <laughs> it. I know about those. Yeah. My 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 junk part of my garage is very well sourced. <laughs> But uh, we uh, we had this old firepower and we wanted to do something with it. So you know we said, what are we going to make it? And he said, Predator. Like, okay. I mean, I guess it's never been done before. And uh, so we started building it, started building it, and then we got a hold of uh, Jerry Stellenberg from PinballController.com for the P Rock stuff. And uh, we found out what all that thing could do. So it's wow, we need to start over and really put some effort into it. So initially, you were starting with a firepower. Yeah. And. That's how we say it here in Kentucky. Yeah, far, 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 here in so, Louisville. Here in Louisville. Everybody. Yeah, that's right. So you started with a firepower, mm -hmm. and uh, not to downplay it, but originally was it just going to be a retheme? Were you going to keep the existing playfield? We were going to try and go a little bit further. We we're going to okay. drop it down, add a ramp or two, and okay. like we were going to try and recode uh, some sound ROMs for it to get you know so, some. So you were even looking at using the original hardware. Yeah, okay. a, a lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we got pretty lucky in. Uh, Trent from Tilt Amusement sold me uh, a really cheap Johnny Mnemonic for just for a cabinet to get me started, and uh, we worked with that for a long time. That's actually still at my shop. Uh, Do you still have the hand by any chance? I don't. I actually I sold the hand to fund buying the game because I went there to buy a game. I want to buy a Shadow. I wanted yeah. it forever. I convinced my wife to let me get the Shadow. Okay. And uh, I had like a certain set amount of money. We had a certain set amount of bills, and uh, I had to I had to come home and explain to my wife that I bought three games instead of one yeah and uh the, the 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 icing was just these things are worth money and we actually end up selling all the inside parts of johnny for more than we paid for how long did it take you to convince her of that did, did she have to see him see the pieces go out the door before she believes <laughs> oh well um my mom always says it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, permission. <laughs> that's right well, and I know you made some very lucky Johnny Mnemonic owner happy, you know, for them to get that hand. So, oh, I bet. Yes, I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah. So you started with the firepower. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, you were gonna you're gonna add to it. You're gonna add some ramps, and, and and then and then you that brings us up to the Johnny Mnemonic and deciding to go with the P Rock. Yeah, once we got a hold of a P Rock, like once I had it in hand and I'd spent some time on forums and and seeing what it could do, I had no idea it could control the DMD independently like that. It, it does it flawlessly, and so it's like, okay, we need to step this up. And then it does a full switch matrix and lance. It does everything. So we decided, you know, kick it up. So we ended up getting the Johnny. And using the cabinet, we cut our own play field. We got some stuff really in place. And uh, we just posted a website showing people progress. Like, hey, check this out. This is a neat thing we do. And we got we got so many emails and, and, like, calls just saying, you know, can I get one of these when it's done? And we kept saying, no, you know, it's it's licensed. We can't just do that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, after, like, the 20th email or so, we we actually we actually grabbed the DVD case and Predator like was searching for the number. Who do we call? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so after a series of wrong numbers, uh, we eventually got a hold of somebody, and uh, through just talking this and out, talking this thing out, we eventually got a hold of this one girl who's just super excited about it. And uh, now, you know, can you say who she was with? Was it a, was it a production company or a film company or she, she's she's. Uh, she works for Fox. Okay. You know, oh, so so she was part of your inside track, I guess, to get that license as easily as you got it. Yeah. Oh, kinda. fantastic. That's yeah. good. But, uh, yeah, I can't say who it is, but hello but if that, you're listening. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, once once I got off the phone uh, with her, I put the phone down. I looked at my friend who was originally involved. And I said, they might actually let us do this. Like, are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a crossover moment when you had yeah. to make a decision. Yeah. If we can get the license, you know, we can do it. Yeah, that's got to feel good. You it, know, it, it, I mean, it, that, that's a triumph in and of itself. Knowing what I know now, yes. yes. I mean, we, we've tried for other licenses here and there uh, more recently, and we get treated like such a black sheep. You know, it's like, what the hell is pinball? Like, yeah. is that still a thing? Yeah. And uh, so people really generally don't care. But uh, this one girl was just so hardcore, and she thinks it's just so cool. Yeah. Now, was she, she was for the pinball, or for just she was going to make the license available? Which she was, she was for pinball. She just gotcha. thought it was. She That's thought it was awesome. dead. You know, she used to play pinball all the time when she was a girl, and did everything she could to make sure that we were set up in such a way that they could make that happen. Awesome. That's fantastic. So you talked about the P Rock, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm pretty sure I already know what, what the answer to this is. But uh, did you end up doing the coding on that? Is yeah. It, so does it have its own scripting language? I don't want to get too deep into it, but does it have its own scripting language? Or was it something else you had to learn, or could you roll off of something else that you already knew? Well, the, the P-Rock uh, has a huge library of code resources. They call it PyProc Game Framework. We leveraged that as much as we could. Uh, there's some modifications that had to be made uh, mm-hmm. for certain things like coinage and stuff like that. But uh, we, we leveraged a PyProc game as much as we could because well, when Predator comes out, it's, it's open source. So, you know, if you wanted to get inside your game and you can just change something or add a sound effect or say hello to your wife in the DMD, whatever, you can do that. And if using that framework, people will be less apt to burn their house down by locking coils on and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of curious as far as, uh, you know, as far as the parts, you know, mentioning the, the P-Rock and everything that goes into that, it, my mind kind of jumps next to, okay, it, you've got the, you've got the software kind of sorted out. Now, what do, what are you guys doing for, uh, for your, your mix up of parts for the game? Can you talk a little bit about the ratio of what you use for off the shelf versus what, what you all are actually having to make? And then, and then to tie into that, you know, for, for everyone who, who is getting a predator, what's, what's the supportability like on it? You know, like after the sale, what, what are you guys planning on doing with the game after, you know, after the fact? 
Well, we'll, we'll support it software-wise. Okay. Um, not in the way that people have gotten used to recently. The the code is is uh, fundamentally finished. There's probably okay. bugs here and there that you just you just can't see coming. Yeah, that's true. So there's going to be a point where we have to do a code update. Yeah. But it's going to be bug fix type stuff. So your intention is to release it. This is the rule set. You know, yeah. all the features and functions are in it. It's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. ready to go. It's, okay. There's no Good. inserts that don't do anything or anything gotcha. like that. Um, but as far as the hardware goes, we got as much stuff sourced as we could from uh, like Marco Specialties and Pinball okay. Life and stuff okay. like that. Every, everything as as if Terry heard me say this, he'd slap me. But uh, off the shelf as yeah. possible. Uh, <laughs> the only stuff we can't get off the shelf is um, like obviously ramps, the play field itself. Yes. You know, there's a couple of custom things here and there, and those are all being made available. Uh, okay. I don't see anybody ever really needing to order ball guides or anything like that. Understood. But. Uh, I mean, I guess if something goes terribly, horribly wrong, you can call me and we'll figure something out. Okay. Well, and that's that's the big thing, just knowing who to, know who to contact and who to talk to. Yeah, just, you know, the support after the sale is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you had to have the play field built up. You know, I'm guessing that you went through several iterations of the artwork. Oh, yes. Yes, tons. <laughs> um, we, actually, we had, a, we had one issue with the artwork. Um, early on where they didn't want us to have like the, the Dutch, the main character, up against a tree. Okay. Uh, we talked about that in uh, the Pinheads podcast a few weeks ago. But uh, we went from that, and we had a couple other ideas, and we eventually had to boil it down for not only reasons that it just didn't look quite right, but then, you know, Fox would be involved, and they'd change that. And when it all finally got uh, finished, was we had a lot of pressure on us at the time to have it finished, so we we started showing it from, off from the community. Yeah, show it off. Heavy okay. pressure from the community. Okay. And when we finally showed it off, um, it was it had like just gotten done. Like I got the phone call to, to be okay that morning before an expo in Michigan. So it, that it, when you said that Fox had came back and had commented on the position of a character. Yes. That just it made me think, because how old is the franchise? Well, it's not even a franchise. It's Well, I guess it is with all the Predator in terms of video games and yeah. all that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, they they do have a stake in it to a degree, but the movie itself is, is quite <clears throat> old. Yes. And they were they were as concerned about the principal characters from the original movie and their location and how they looked. Well, they, they gave me uh, some really initial pointers, like right at the beginning – uh, they said to to avoid any involvement in changes, you know, just don't do anything unflattering. You know, don't have a guy dead on the playfield. You know, don't show mm -hmm. a guy in the act of dying and stuff like that, because you know those are real people. Yes. And you know, I'm sure that Richard Graves doesn't want to go down in history on a pinball playfield getting shot in the head. But it was a cool part of the show, so it's, <laughs> it's like a balance. But I think, yeah, the only thing that ever came back was uh, down at the bottom of the playfield. We were originally going to have him holding Arnold against a tree by his neck. It's like a staple of the movie, and uh, they didn't like it. They they just said we don't even want to pass this along because I know he's not going to like it. Just change it. So then, what what you've ended up with is basically the principals right at the lower playfield, mm -hmm. right in front of the flippers, in the jungle scene. Yeah, is the way that's came out. Yeah, but we ended up at after the fact after not being able to have him against the tree. We have you know predator like looking at a skull really intently, so it it actually turned out really nice. Like uh, the original drawings we had seen for the tree was it was good. You know, artists are fantastic, but uh, it really is unflattering. There's no flattering way to be put against a tree. So that the skull turned out made it more predator than the characters. So. Um one of the things that really kind of piqued my interest is relating to the art was 
the way the play field kind of transforms when you is it hunt, when you go into a, is it hunter mode? Yeah. And then it's a wash and like a blue, mm-hmm. and then there's like. I guess the best way to describe it is a blood trail from the predator yes. that, that follows, you know, I guess what your shot paths are going to be. Yeah, it's just, just so you don't get lost because it, it's it's a really alarming change. If you're not used to it, when you hit that button, everything just goes from bright in your face to down super low, and you can get, you know, you can kind of lost in that. So I don't, I'm not asking you to give away any uh, Skitby secrets, but how difficult was it to work that out? I mean, it was terribly difficult. <laughs> So let's back up a second. You you ended up doing it, and if it was terribly difficult, you put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. So was it just you all sitting around saying, "Man, this would be a great idea if we did a color change"? And then how, how did that how did that progress? I pitched it to the guy who was handling our play fields, and he said I was insane. So we got all these <laughs> other guys, as they always do, <laughs> right? That's how you know you're onto something good. Yeah, if somebody calls you crazy, you're on the right. You're track. on the right you're track. Doing exactly. Different. Yeah. So I brought in all these 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 really hardcore experts on some really obscure stuff, like just lighting in general. You know, I asked them what to do, and everybody's talking about these nanometers and wavelengths and all this crap. It's so far beyond me. I was just kind of smiling, not to get not, yep. And after a half-hour conversation, I just end up saying, will this work? And how do I do it? Right. And so we got everything built down to a point, and then we got our first play field done and clear-coated, looked gorgeous, and we, we hit it with the UV light. Nothing worked. And it was uh, it was the clear coat was was a problem, and it, and it was after like a year and a half of development and talking to all these experts, it never once crossed my mind. The clear coat's going to fill. What? Yeah. What is the point of clear coat? It's to block UV radiation. Yep. Yeah. So we had to kind of like reinvent the wheel on that and get a brand new kind of clear coat that's still. It's actually like to me, it seems better, but I'm not going to advertise that. But uh. It's, it, it serves its purpose. You can do that, man. It's all good. <laughs> it serves its purpose just as well as any other clear coat, but it doesn't inhibit as much UV. So now I'm going to ask the question. If you're kind of going a new direction with a clear coat, what's your playtesting been like? Playtesting has been great. Uh, in terms of wear? In terms of wear? Um, the, only, the only issue we had with the playfield was places where, I, where there was no holes pre-drilled. So uh, if you get one of these at home, don't drill anywhere. Like just, just don't drill it. Don't don't break the shell, basically, because yeah, yes. it, it will split. It, it comes off like an eggshell almost if it, if you crack it. But we we sat there with, you know, as like something to do while we we're chatting. We just take balls in the cross room, throw it all day, and, like, and it's not breaking. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, can you talk? Can you talk to or to the subject of, of who you work with on on the playfield? Uh, you know, on, on the playfield build itself. I mean, it, it's it's it always interesting to me when you look at um, when you look at you know how Stern does it or Jersey Jack does it. I know that they can source a lot of that stuff in house. But you know, where, where where do you go and get your playfields done? Uh, the guy asked me not to share specifically who he oh, was. Okay, but, yeah, uh, that's fine. Yeah, he's he's definitely been around. Okay, uh, it's another one of these things where you know. If somebody who's not a pinball person were to approach you and ask you a question, you could go on these tirades of just yep. information. Yep. And to like, I would should say a normal person, but uh, you know, a not pinball person would ask, "Holy crap, this guy knows a ton about this obscure exactly. thing." Exactly. This is that guy for printing. Okay. Yeah, because it's always interesting to me to see to see the renders of the artwork and, and to say, "This is how this playfield is going to work." And then I know you do all the white wood process and everything like that, but when it actually comes time to produce the finished product, it seems like that's always a very closely guarded secret as to as to how that's done and who does it and under what conditions it's done under. And so I'm just I'm just kind of curious about that. But I certainly don't want you to to, to, to unveil anything. Bit, there. You mentioned the white wood process in relation yep. to artwork. 
you'd be super surprised how much artwork helps you make shots. I never realized how dependent I was on artwork yeah. to carry the way I play a game. Yeah, to kind of carry the flow of the game. Yeah, that, that, that is interesting. I mean, it, are, are there are there items? Can you talk to what's left? To be, what's left to be done with Predator? As far as what, you know, what's locked down? What's in? Where, where, where are you guys at? As far as we're ninety percent of the way there. We're ninety five percent of the way there. How, how do you feel about that? I feel as though it's done. Okay. Except we have to test it and build it. Okay. You know, there's been a couple of things come up this weekend. Just like, of course, software bugs. Yeah. Um, and as soon as, of course, you're out in public, things will go wrong. Yeah. But uh, we have a, a game being built right now for a test location up by us in Michigan. Oh, I see. Gonna, okay. And we're going to leave that out there and just collect a bunch of data, you know, while we're waiting for these parts to come back. Just test it and test it and test it and make okay. changes as necessary. Okay. So so what's your, uh, what's your build crew look like? Is it? My build crew looks like a bunch of pinheads. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I bet we would like those guys a lot. Half a dozen guys will come over you can trust to help out and yeah. just roll through the games. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've known these guys – since before I could walk, and they've been in pinball since before that. So I mean, I couldn't ask for a better a better collection of people that can just sit around, talk pinball, build pinball, play pinball. You'd think I'd get sick of this by now, but I'm not. So I, it's I, crazy. Don't, I don't think we do. I mean, I mean it's you can I mean, be in it for here, years right? and years. That's exactly right. That's the whole reason why we're here. It's it's the game that just keeps on giving. You know, that's right. Every single day. Yeah. Well, speaking of playing it, give us this is one thing. One question I haven't asked yet. Give us a rundown on. Uh, on the rule set, how how the game progresses? Does it follow the movie? Is it its own thing? It, it the it's kind of like a flip flop between roles. That a lot of the modes take place as like trying to play as like the human characters, you know, trying to get through the situations of the movie. Like there's a the part where they're setting all the traps to try and catch it. You know, that's that's a cool mode where you got to go, you know, into the up into the trees as they say, like use ramps and then go set traps low and alternate. So you play that from the perspective of, of the the, man, the human characters. And then there's like the tracking mode where you can actually control what shot is lit with the extra buttons. And that's more of like playing all like a predator than, than them, obviously, because you're trying to like track them down. And so do you have to get to a certain point in the game to switch that mode or can you switch it? It's just, it's just one of the standard modes. Um, you've got the little – they're called the HUD. There's six six separate modes, um, and of course there's a wizard mode afterwards. So if you're thinking along the lines of like Adam's family, it'd be like uh, almost like um, like a mansion window, you know. So each one of these throws the game into a different mode of play, and then you know you have a certain set amount of time to either finish it or not or fail out of it. Yeah. And move on. Well, I mean, I think this is probably the question that that everybody would want you know would want an answer to is you know what, what's what's the shift date? What are you guys looking at as far as as far as an ETA? And I know that's that's me asking a very pointed question, but I'm you know, it's just kind of curious to get you know where you guys are on on that final stretch. Well, uh, we we've stated uh, publicly that okay. we're we're trying to get games moved by the seventh of April. Okay. Uh, we're still on track for that. Uh, it's going to be pretty tight. Uh, a lot of people are like really really hoping to get there sooner. Um, we're trying to do everything we can. <clears throat> But it's it's still looking like around that time, early early April. Okay. Now, I think you'd mentioned before we started this before we started this this uh, panel discussion is that you guys are building you guys have built what's been sold. Is there any way that someone who's you know a little late to the game or a year from now that would want a predator? Is there any way for them to get get hold of one? We we no. guys build we guys build them one two years from now. No. Okay. No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, I guess we just hope that they. That the home market turns one over. Okay. But uh, no, we're not going to do this ever again. <laughs> You're not going to do this game ever. No, again. not this game. No, Predator is done. Um, 
a, a lot of people that, that have, have come on board to help us out. You know, we're still a startup in what we're doing. And uh, we have a lot of people that are taking huge risks on us. Okay. And that, you know, a lot of the risk comes from the fact that at the end of the day, you know, even if it's built wrong and it sucks, they will still have a really rare game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that kind of helps alleviate that risk. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to punish that by feeling, OK, now that we're, you know, we've succeeded, successfully made a game and it works and people don't think it sucks. Now we're going to make more. I mean, that that's kind of like punishing the people that early, that, early that adopted. Makes sense. That makes yeah, I understand. So past predator and. and um, what what can you tell us about what's next for Skit B? The next title, the next direction. And, and granted, I know you don't have a game out the door yet. Right, and that that's a big deal now too. Uh, we're not going to announce what it is or anything like that, or especially take any deposits without getting you know a lot of predators out there and knowing that you know we can actually do what we said we we're going to do. Uh, we get a lot of questions about uh, you know like why won't you do that? Wouldn't that help out? Well, yeah, but. It's not going to help you out. That helps me, and I don't need any more help right now. I got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, as far as like game two, uh, a lot of people publicly have, have like already tried to like I don't want to say talk us to a corner, but uh, they say that you know that's going to be our thing is making like these adult, obscure like or miss the boat movie titles. And we're, we're, we're really trying to deliberately and head-on just destroy that view with uh, the next game. Okay. I th- that argument seems kind of interesting to me when you've got, uh, what you just said, uh, an, an adult-themed mm-hmm. you know, uh, science fiction-type movie, but yet you've got Duck Hunt sitting there with oh, yeah. the beautiful Nintendo colors <laughs> right next to it and then the black predator done primarily in black and red. Yeah, uh, and so you've already broke that mold. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people ask me if it's going to be a video game theme, which because outside of Predator, every custom I have is based on a game. Uh, I've been a you know video game nerd since like a couple days before I was born, apparently. <laughs> <coughs> but uh, so we get that a lot too, with the Star Fox and the Sonic the Hedgehog and Duck Hunt, obviously. That you know everybody's thinking it's either going to be like this other like obscure R-rated movie from back in the day or a video game. Okay. So, we're, so we're, are you just telling everybody <clears throat> something different just to keep it kind of rolling? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what much, I would do. It's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty much uh, everybody's expecting a very certain thing, so we're going to go completely yeah. the opposite of that. Understandable. Now, Understandable. One, one thing that I'm really curious about is it seems like the, the pinball community is small enough and tight enough to where I'm sure Stern, Jersey Jack, other pinball, other pinball companies – Know what you're doing to to the degree that they can. Do you guys uh, do you guys feel that you're uh, do you guys feel that you're making uh, a little bit of headway with some of with some of the big guys? Have you been contacted by them? Have they been talking to you about you know about any potential partnership or anything like that? Or are you guys pretty much just running as it is on your own? No, there's been a lot of guys that would see it. Like especially at Chicago, it's more of a trade showish kind very of thing. Very much so. Well, in the home of pinball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had a lot of guys uh, really early on. The first time we took it to Chicago, we had three different people say they wanted to fund the build to get in on it early. Really? Yeah. Okay. And that was that was hard to say no to when we were borrowing to get pizza. I'm I'm sure it is. <clears throat> but you know, I have to keep calling back. Like that's pretty much what killed Williams back in the day is investment. So I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But uh, as far as Jack, Jack and I have a really strange relationship of uh, we try and like see each other's game at the same time. You know, whenever we go to a new show. 
and we have our game and he has his, we always meet up and go, oh, did you play it when we talk about the, what's new and we got this weird like back and forth. I like what you did here and like what you did. That's so cool. Okay. And uh, Gary and I have even a stranger relationship. Uh, we had, you know, we had met before. He probably didn't even care who I was at the time, but um, this past June, they had us come out to the Northwest Pinball Show. Stern did? Had you come No, out? no, no. Uh, the guys, uh, Gary and, and oh, those oh, other guys. They're, they're running the show. Yeah, they're running yeah, okay. the show. All right. They had us come out to Northwest. And just because of scheduling, they, they had uh, Aaron and I and Gary Stern ride in the car on the way back at the same time. So we had this half hour in the car. Uh, oh, I, bet, I bet that's interesting. <laughs> it, we thought it was going to be interesting, but it was more like he was just more interested in hearing us talk because we, we never turn off. We're always just – we chat like we do and – you know, we don't really business up like ever. Yeah. And uh, Gary, you know, he was he was kind of you know tight at the beginning. He just kind of like eventually just started like he just laughed. He came to our seminar that weekend. That's good. And you could hear him out there going, "You guys are so funny! Like you're just so funny." And he sat there just laughing. He had like a notebook he was writing. And he just put it down and just <laughs> laughing at us. So we, we just was he stealing like your more jokes or was he stealing your eye? Borrowing your ideas. <laughs> no, he was, he, was, he was just busy. You know? oh. He's got so much going on. And, yeah. you know, he, had, he literally had just flown in. Like we flew in from Michigan out to uh, Tacoma, and that's, that's like a long trip to me. I don't, I don't go that far very often. But he had flown in that day from Singapore, like fresh off the flight. And so you know, I thought I was coming a long way, and he just came from a, you know, all the way around the world. So he had all this stuff to catch up on, and he was like sitting in uh, the seminar just to kind of support us. That's you know, good. Yeah, yeah. And that's good. It's he like, said, "Yeah, he said he was gonna come check us out, and he was sitting there. He was still doing work at the same time, but after we started just acting like we do, he just put his stuff down and just enjoyed himself. It was good. So he, sh you shipped your games up to Tacoma, Washington, and then I did. Them. Yeah, was they, that was that kind of a a bittersweet moment when you handed it off to the shipper and let it let it roll. Well, the, the <laughs> it was a bittersweet <laughs> moment, but the the strangest thing was you have to declare the value." <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like okay, there's, there's not another one. I, I don't yeah, know. there's not one in existence. I mean, physically, parts-wise, it's worth about two thousand dollars. But okay. I've got forty thousand into it. I mean, you can't explain it to them. Yeah, there's no, there's no box for sweat equity at all. You know, <laughs> right, that's, that's the issue. Yeah, that's yeah. you just say one million dollars. Yeah, that's right. And they yeah. wouldn't believe me for a second. No. And then Navel says, "Sorry." <laughs> yeah. Another yeah. cool story about Tacoma. Uh, we were gonna go, and they wanted that duck hunt out there so bad, but it's. It's expensive to ship a game, and it, I don't know what's going to happen to it. And uh, so they kept calling they, they kept calling me, and we were going over this stuff back and forth. And uh, it's an arcade show as well, you know, like arcade and pinball. And so uh, I said, you know what? If you can get me a duck hunt up right there, done deal. I'll be there. No questions asked. And they called me less than a half hour later, and they said they have a duck hunt available. So we actually have pictures of the two together. It's very cool. And the guy who brought it is uh, – now, be honest. Were you hoping that they weren't going to be able to turn up a duck hunt? Well, it's just one of those times where you know they say <laughs> they say toss a coin and and well, you know find out what you're hoping for. Yep. And we had no idea. It's just like yeah. you know, it'd be cool to have it out there, but I don't know what's going to happen to it. And yeah. it just kind of okay. We'll see what happens then. Man, that's great. Well, I'll tell you what, we've really appreciated having this time to talk with you. And you know, where where can people find out more about you know, about Skip B Pinball and what what you guys do? Get in touch with you or what have you? Send you money, you know, all all the good stuff like that. Because we we definitely want to give you a chance to you know tell everybody you know you know about you know how they can get in touch with you, and then we'll definitely open up the open up the floor to uh, to uh, questions. 
Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is just send me an email. Uh, I don't want to put that out here because I'll get spam and such. But uh, understand. You know, we have a website. Contact information's on there. We don't update the website nearly as much as we should. Mostly it's just because we're still working on stuff. Yeah. But after this weekend, we might have a little time. Okay, and what's the website address? Oh, uh, skitbpinmall.com. Is that all one word? Yeah, no hyphens, you know, all one word. Okay. Simple as we could get it. Okay, excellent, excellent. I'll tell you, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Learned a lot, and uh, I, I think I'm probably in, in the boat where it's like, man, I wish I'd heard about this a lot sooner because uh, it, it, maybe I would have been number 92 yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm definitely going to have to keep an eye on yeah, what goes definitely. on for game number two. Yes. Yeah, yeah. please do. It's, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. So, yeah, thank you very much. And at this time, we're more than happy to take some uh, some floor questions. If anybody has a question for Skibby, just we've got a microphone right over here on the left-hand side. Just uh, mosey up and, and uh, ask a question. Do you have anything else to add, anything else that we maybe didn't cover, something you'd like to throw out? Of um, course, and I'm not asking for any trade secrets or any <laughs> <laughs> trades. No, we don't, we don't have a lot of trade secrets. We just have one that's like a, a lethal killable offense. Kind of a thing. Okay. <laughs> we, there's only like four people that know about it. So we actually we uh, that's a, that's the secret bank clear code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we talk about everything by uh, like code names around the shop, so yeah. we could try and get used to that. You know, don't call it that. Call it this. Call it this. So that if you're in public and you slip. Yeah, and we we caught like. 90 slip-ups, like, sense oh, wow. like, see how quick that could have happened? So, Well, we yeah. can't edit any slip-ups out of this because it's streaming live on the Internet. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. hi, Internet. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, Kevin, I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Thank I will you definitely much. come yeah. by Thank and you, we'll, we'll visit it. with you. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you. Spend a little bit more time with the games. Yeah. Oh, sure. Appreciate Absolutely. It. They're out there to play. Play them. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, you know, rolling around there tonight and giving them a shot because I, this is going to be a treat. Whitney, we have reached the end of yet another epic broken token classic arcade and pinball podcast. <laughs> this show's been pretty epic, Brent. I mean, we've covered a lot of cool topics. We've and, done some new things. We've done some new things, and this has been fun. And uh, we thank our voicemail callers. I, <laughs> yeah, we thank them. So it's all good. <laughs> I was going to say, thank maybe <laughs> voice call yeah our, you can call them that yeah okay. no, that was great i i and, and for everybody uh between the sessions uh, you know we don't record this linearly and so brent and i had a heck of a laugh after the fact so <laughs> yes thank you to our voicemail callers and we Maybe because uh, i feel sorry for them <laughs> well you know I, i'll tell you we we love our listeners man and uh i look forward to uh, all the voicemails that we that you know that, that were that are yet to come in how about that <laughs> i do too i i give them grief but oh, yeah. they're, we, we they, love the they're all they're all good people they're all really good people yeah i i, I, I spend uh, uh quite a bit of time with them they're great people they're great people yeah so so brent one thing that i wanted to discuss real quick before you uh kind of uh hop over to a special announcement here you know here at the end of the show we've got a, a couple of community outreach items that i wanted uh to take care of just a little bit of housekeeping uh for everybody uh who was at the, the arcade expo and who's been watching any of our social media over the past you know a uh, few months 
we have been, you know, we've been kind of pushing uh, a couple of GoFundMe uh, campaigns. Number one for Barry Ausler and for to help offset medical costs for him and his wife Donna, and then of course uh, for Python Angelo. And so uh, we were very fortunate to collect, uh, or I'm sorry, to raise right around a combined total of three hundred dollars for Python and for ba- and for Barry, one hundred and fifty dollars each. That uh, that we were able to contribute to their respective GoFundMe campaigns at the conclusion of the Arcade Expo. And we thank uh, all of our listeners and everybody who stopped by that, uh, that did make a donation. You know, Brent, we had those, we had those buckets out, and uh, I'll tell you, the dollars were flying in. And uh, especially, you know, shout out to Matt, you know, local listener. He was, he was pushing dollars in those buckets every single time he walked by. And so, you know, a lot of people made that happen. And through some match donations, we were able to, we were able to really make, uh, really, I hope, hope make a difference for both of those guys. So, and so, Wendy, I, I believe we've already gotten some feedback from at least one of the GoFundMe organizers. And uh-huh. He was, he was very, was it for? for for Python? Yeah, it was Python. Paul, Paul Kiefer, the, the organizer for the Python Angelo GoFundMe, responded back and he was just so incredibly gracious and thankful for what the people, you know, what the people of Louisville and everybody who attended the show uh, and, and everybody involved with that did. So, yeah, Paul, no no worries. We're more than happy to help, but it was definitely a combined effort to make that happen. So, so Brent, the, the reason I bring this up is that, number one, to raise awareness to both of those campaigns because these are both... Uh, uh, you know, the pinball brothers, so to speak, that are that are in a time of need, and we'll also be um, if for as long as those uh, campaigns are running, uh, every uh, live event that we do, and uh, and, and hopefully um, some some other things we've got to, kind of working in the wings, we can help uh, help drive some more donations to those. But I, I just ask that anybody listening, if you can find a spare five or ten bucks, if you got a little extra money kicking around a, your just, PayPal account, that's exactly right. Just even you know everything matters, even just. A couple of dollars um you know please consider donating to these two worthy causes and giving back to uh you know two very pivotal pivot pivot pivotal (laughs) that's easy for you it's very easy for me to say pivotal people uh in in the pinball uh, in the pinball community pivotal 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 people in pinball pivotal pivotal Pit. This <laughs> here we are trying to do something yes, good, Whitney, yes, and we and we compl- just completely de- train wrecked de- derailed it. it. Yes, pivotal pivot. Uh, just give it up. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> we'll work okay. on it later. <laughs> yeah, uh, very important people in pinball, Brent. How about that? Um, and so, like I say, we'll, we'll have links to the uh, <laughs> we'll have links to the campaigns in our show. As notes. they, as Whitney said, as they continue to run, we'll continue to talk about them. <laughs> but we won't say pivot. No, we will not. We'll <laughs> we'll avoid we'll avoid some keywords yeah. in the conversation. Man, that was bad. Well, we'll take the good with the bad. That's hopefully, there's more do. good. Hopefully, especially here, there's more good than there is That's, bad. If, you know something? If 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 a laugh can translate into five bucks for these guys. Then that means we've done a they, job. They've done a lot uh, and, and to forward our hobby. I've yeah. got one of Barry's games right I've, here I've off got to my of, left. I've got one of Python's games in you know in my house. I'm honestly I'm looking for one of Python's games right now. Yeah. So um, they've done a lot for us, and we know it. Yeah. So if, if, as Whitney said, if you've got a couple extra dollars, every little bit helps. If there's a little extra change uh, uh, sloshing around in a PayPal account, and you feel so inclined, you yeah. know. Please check our site. We'll have we have the links posted repeatedly yep. through our Facebook page, and um, uh, reach out to them and 
and do what you can. Do what you can. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. And I know Barry appreciates it. And I know Python appreciates it. And uh, what's interesting is uh, Python has, uh, has contacted back. And we know he's watching. And we know he really appreciates it. And because, uh, you know, we've even heard from him personally. So it's really cool stuff, man. Okay, so let me move on a little bit to something uh, uh, something new for us. Okay. Well, not new. We've got a little little kind of a little bit of a test here with a little arcade expo but yep. we are going to take the broken token podcast on the road now we need to cue the charles corralt music here <laughs> but i don't know what charles corralt music is <laughs> and so we'll of, just let it go there's a lot of folks that? out there like who's charles corralt charles corralt everybody's just hammering on you know searching for it google it yep uh so Whitney and I are going to take the podcast on the road. May 17th, mm-hmm. we will be at The Place Retro Arcade in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is going to be fun, man. I we're, think going to, we're going to live stream. We're going to there. live stream. Yes. I think it's going to be a ball. A uh, good friend of the show, Carrie, uh, he and his wife, his family, mm-hmm. if you will. Carrie's got a, a, a good-sized family. Yes. They they run a, a, a good-sized arcade in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we invite everyone to come out. We're going to start broadcasting at 6 p.m. Eastern that, that evening, mm-hmm. the evening of May 17th. That's a Saturday. Yep. And we're looking at gonna we're looking at going at least two hours, yeah, a couple hours. You know, or, we're, or if, whenever we run out of gas, or whenever we run out of gas. So, yeah. you know, you, if you if you tune in after six, you, you're going to catch us, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and say six to eight. But yeah. chances are, we're going to go. We're yeah. going to go a little longer than that. So, yeah. you know, we're going to talk a little, we're going to talk with Carrie. We're going to uh, probably interview some of, some of his kiddos and yeah. uh, set, have a sit down and get his wife's take on the arcade. And then any visitors that come through I'm, uh, that are brave enough, that are brave to, enough sit to sit down, sit down. Yes. Um, and you know, share their experiences, share their memories. And yeah. I know, I know he has he has some pretty full nights on occasion. So hopefully, we'll have some some youngsters in there that's new to the arcade scene, and they yeah. can give us their take on on something that we've enjoyed since we were since we were little ones. And so. we devote a lot of time to today. So yeah, that's exactly right. What I think is is supremely interesting about this is that Carrie has chosen to open an arcade in today's climate, and he's doing well. And so I, I think it's. I think it will be very interesting to hear how he does it, how he makes it work, and um, you know, in the economy today, uh, how does how does he run an arcade, running, you know, offering up you know games and machines from 30, 30 years ago? Absolutely, Carrie. Uh, um, I agree, Whitney. In the in the environment today, it's it seems to be difficult to to be a small business to let, let alone start a small business. Yeah. And a business based in disposable income. Yes, with with games w- when the product you sell is thirty plus years old. Exactly. I mean, this is you know it's entertain. It's the product is entertainment. Oh, oh, it's entertaining to you know to no end. But let's let's call it for what it is. A lot of what goes on in this hobby today is collector fodder. You know, not really, uh, not really anything that is that is generating a tremendous amount of income. You know, outside of you know the new games on location and things like that. And arguably, I know pinball still generates a lot of money on location but uh there's just you just don't see a whole lot of asteroid and asteroids and donkey kong machines on location no anymore. you don't no if any at all if any now, at all that's right carrie Car- currently runs uh the place retro arcade mm-hmm. at, as a, an hourly or kind of a bulk rate you don't come in it's not a quarter to play or 50 cents to play a game uh a, I don't have, unfortunately, right in front of me the uh, the cost scale, but you come in and you you pay p- 
per block of time. Okay. So and if you you're get, then you get to play for that hour, right. or two hours. You know, yeah. and, and if memory serves, the last time I looked at it, the longer you're there, the cheaper it is. Okay. So you know, you get to a point real quick where it's not that a couple more bucks and it kicks you into the entire day or whatever the situation is. So yeah. you know, another couple of things Kerry also does is I know he he uh, works a little bit with consoles. There are mm-hmm. some consoles available. Uh, they're open for parties. They can, you know, rent the uh, location for parties for birthdays and the like. So that all that helps with trying to keep a functional arcade working in, yeah. in today's world. Yeah. And I, I don't have his current lineup uh, uh, memorized, or I don't have it in front of me. I don't. I don't believe he kind of he he. It, it changes quite a bit. I know. So I, I don't believe that it's actually online. I do know that Kerry keeps some capital games. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go up there and find. Uh, a whole row of quarter pushers or I say up there, we're down Louisville since yeah. he's north of us. Yeah. You're not going to find maybe one Pac-Man and uh, a couple modern games in a Neo Geo. Yeah. Carrie has a Star Wars. Yeah. Carrie's got a track and field. Carrie's yeah. got a couple, he does have a couple pinball machines. Yeah. So That's good. He, That's good. he's got a Tempest. He yeah. has in his arcade working playable collector games collector type games yeah, and he's not cool. he's not afraid to get what some would deem as difficult to to keep running games like some of your vectors mm-hmm. and they're there and they're available to play yeah so it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah so like you said brent will be uh, live streaming starting at 6 p.m on may the 17th on location so. from the place retro arcade in cincinnati ohio cincinnati ohio so we'll, we'll see you there and we look forward to uh everybody uh you know joining the live stream in our in our mixlr room and we'll make sure that we get the details out about that you know as we get closer to that time so some upcoming shows and events brent uh probably the most notable at this at the time of this recording what's coming up is going to be um the southern fried game room expo and that's being put on by uh, our friends uh preston and patrick from the game room junkies um podcast and that's running June 20th through June 22nd, 2014 at the Atlanta Marriott Century Center. You can go, you can get more information at southernfriedgameroomexpo.com. Now, this this is really turning into a very interesting show, uh, Brent, because, uh, well, number one, uh, Preston was, uh, you know, as, as everybody's listened to our coverage uh, of the Arcade Expo knows, you know, Preston came up from Atlanta, sat in with us on Saturday night. Uh, we got to, you know, talk to him quite a bit and, and find out, you know, a little bit more more about what's going on with uh, with the Southern Fried Game Room Expo, and then on top of that, uh, Brent, you and I are going down to that show. Yes, uh, and we and as we have come to find out, there's going to be some other podcasters uh, that are convening at that show as well. Most notably, Jonathan Leung from the Arcade Repair Tips podcast and video series. So, uh, Jonathan, like I say, Jonathan's going to be down there. And uh, from what I understand, uh, there's potentially some other podcasters that are going to make it down as well, Brent. So, it looks like it's going to be a pretty full, you know, a, a pretty full. Um, now, is this a podcasting convention or is this an arcade? It's an arcade podcasting <laughs> it is an, convention. It is. It's, a, it's an arcade and pinball expo, but there's going to be lots of podcasters there, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, so we'll have some opportunity, I, I think, to do some broadcasting while we're down there. I think we're going to be, uh, I think we're going to be able to sit in and work, uh, work a couple of the... Uh, work a couple of the, the tech sessions down there and uh, do some recap podcasting uh, hopefully over the weekend as well. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. As we get a little closer to the show, I'm sure we'll, we'll have, more, we'll we'll have, have more details concrete. in terms of time yeah. and, and the like. Um, I'm not sure the potential of live, live streaming 
You know, it's it. I'm going down there to play. I, yeah, I'm so, going to go down there to play. Yeah, I, it, I am we're, too. We're going to go down there and support Preston and Patrick and, and all the folks helping with the Southern Fried Game Room Expo Definitely. in any way that we can. That's right. Uh, but we're also going to play <laughs> some games. We're also going down there to play. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a load of fun. I'm I'm just really looking forward to kind of uh, making the road trip down there and just and like you said, Brent, supporting supporting Preston and Patrick and helping to make sure that their show is uh, is successful as it can be. So if if you're in Atlanta, near Atlanta, want to come to Atlanta, yeah. June 20th through the 22nd, yep. check out southernfriedgameroomexpo.com. Exactly. Yeah, and so if if um, if anyone out there listening has an event that they would like us to mention on the show, make sure to contact us via email, and that's at podcast at brokentoken.com, uh, or call us and leave us a voicemail with the details, and we'll be sure to mention it on our next show. So, Brent, uh, before we turn it over to Christy to go ahead and take us out, I just wanted to make a, a couple of mentions here real quick. Uh, we are now available on Xbox Music, okay? So I- anyone who has uh, who has a Windows phone or is running Xbox can uh, can go out and, and search for us in the, in the native uh, store on that platform and find us there. And, of course, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and so we would really appreciate you. Anyone leaving, uh, you know, a, a review on those, two, uh, on those two services, it really helps out the show and uh, one thing uh real real quick here in closing brent is our facebook page we have really grown our our viewership and our membership on the facebook page and uh we're now up to over 220 likes and we've gone uh we've gone up about 60 or so since our last uh regular episode so just within the past six to seven weeks we've jumped up 60 you know 60 people who have joined the page and you know that's more and more people that we're getting our content out in front of and people that are interacting with us so thank you for everyone who has you know stopped by our facebook page and registered a like and uh we hope that you're enjoying the content and we thank you for listening to the Absolutely. show we thank you um for helping us help you all that's right it, it, when we see those likes roll in we know that that folks like what we're doing mm-hmm. no pun intended <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we're kind of striking a chord it's a show of puns it's a dude. show of puns today yeah that's another that's another show title right there <laughs> show of puns yeah, yeah chair con the show of puns <laughs> <laughs> oh we've derailed this one with that, that we have that we have it's been fun though Brent. oh it's, it's been, been a blast fun. i i would encourage any every anyone and everyone to come by the facebook page yep and you know if you give us a like just about everything that we talk about on the show in some way, shape, or form will chronicle in pictures. Yeah. Um, so not only are you getting where we're going to be, what we're going to broadcast, where we're going to broadcast from, uh, a little information like with the outreach stuff having to do, for example, with Barry and Python and, and whatever uh, uh, kind of uh, outreach type work we may be involved in, you're going to get any tips or tricks or 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 the like relating to projects that we've got going on yeah. and somewhere down the road you know i even if i think i know oh i've done that before and yeah. i you know even if i you think you know it you don't know it so it's it's helpful to see other perspectives it pick is. up some tips and tricks it is and, and you know we've we've used the facebook page to reach out to listeners and i i think we're if everything works out okay we're actually going to have one of our facebook fans uh who, who like the page and is interacting with us we're actually going to have him interviewed here on an upcoming episode fairly soon so uh we're yeah, laying the groundwork for that right laying, now laying the groundwork for that right now and this is this is someone who you know we've not had on the show before and will be completely new and you know it just kind of works out that way so it's it's, it's really really cool so it's it, it's it's a, it's a neat medium to have the show between the show if, if you will so yeah for facebook page and that's at facebook slash broken token blog 
And like I say, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and uh, always visit us on our website at brokentoken.com. So with that, Brent, I think we'll bring episode uh, number eight to a close. We thank everybody for listening, subscribing, and everything in between. Uh, Brent, we've had a good time, and I think it's time to go ahead and hit the button on this baby. And uh, so like I say, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month here on the podcast, and game on. Congratulations, you made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash brokentokenblog. Britt and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes, and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes Store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes Store and on our Stitcher Radio page, as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token staff would like to extend a special thank you to the real vocal talent of the show, Christy Litzy. And that's me. Cha-ching! Music for the Broken Token podcast provided by Kentucky native bluegrass musician Gary Brewer. Please visit brewgrass.com. That's B-R-E-W-G-R-A-S-S dot com for the latest information, show dates, and to purchase music. (laughs) Got any ideas? Uh, I tossed my ring into the hat and... Your hat into the ring. uh, I tossed my hat into the ring. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, we're flying by the seat of our pants, dude. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Why don't you just hit the mic with a stick or something? (laughs) Wow. Excuse me.